a golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> I don't know who's weirder, you or me. You just put the law in my hands, and I'm gonna break your heart. Nobody puts baby in the Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. everyone and welcome back to movies for life i'm one of your co-hosts michelle agan and i'm brian kuyper and today we are talking about the art of the dance for our movie picks today we sure are <laughs> yeah and the thing is uh originally when we talked about this we were like okay movies about dancing and dancers dancing and then you picked yours first, and I said, well, I know what to go with that. And so that's where we came up with our picks. Which, now that I've seen yours, like, these movies are pretty much made to go together, so this is perfect. Mm. And I love both of these now, so this is going to be a lot of fun to do. What are the movies that we picked, though, Brian? Well, for me, uh, I brought to the table uh, a movie that I fell in love with at first sight, and found particularly moving and surprising and all kinds of things uh, just instantly. And that is uh, from 1948, The Archers, Emmerich Pressburger and Michael Powell's The Red Shoes. Like kind of one of the best movies ever now. Yeah. I see it. That I've seen it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, you said after you watch this one that you feel sorry for all the other movies you're going to have to watch after it. Yeah. Uh, be- yeah. Because they're not going to be as good. <laughs> it is. It's How are they going to live up to the red shoes? Yeah. Uh, not much does. and it, It's just one of those incredible films that. That you hear about and you're like, oh, Martin Scorsese loves it. And, yeah. You know, I hear it's good and looks beautiful and all this, but it's about the ballet and the ballet company. What? It, it sounds like homework. And then you watch it and you go, oh, that really is one of the best movies ever made. Yeah. Well, I didn't really have a problem with that because my pick is one of my favorite movies ever. Become kind of important to me in several ways recently. Uh, I picked uh, from 2010. Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan. A sort of ballet horror. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wrote down a bunch of movies when we get to it that that I think it kind of reminded me of uh, mm-hmm. in, in interesting ways. So, yeah, I was like, oh, that, that kind of made me think of this or that. But you know what? The one that it makes me think of the most? The Red, the red Shoes. shoes. They're pretty much the same. Yeah. I was very surprised. They have like very similar structure. They're kind of doing the same thing with telling the story of the main ballet that they're performing in the movie is also the story of the movie, which I found really cool. I mean, this, uh, this is an obvious inspiration for Aronofsky. I mean, I don't be shocked if it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Because it's kind of the same movie. Yeah. I mean, he's probably going to be one of those things where he comes out and says, oh, I never saw the red shoes. And you know, he's lying. (laughs) 
I don't <laughs> think he would do that. But, you know, sometimes certain yeah. directors, it's like, you know, this movie's a lot like, so, oh, I never saw that movie. You know, you, you hear that? And it's uh, like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> would not believe you here. Yeah, here. Yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty clear that... Um, the Red Shoes, which we we're going to start with, we've decided to go chronologically because Black Swan, in a lot of ways, kind of builds on the foundations of the Red Shoes and goes from there. So I think mm-hmm. to refer back to it uh, will be helpful uh, when we talk about Black Swan. So the Red Shoes, uh, my first experience with this movie, I remember Martin Scorsese, I think it was an Oscar ceremony or something like that, saying that the next movie that uh, the Film Foundation that he sort of, you know, I don't know what his involvement is exactly, but he's pretty important driving force in that or creative force in the Film Foundation restoration movement is uh, or company. And they said the next movie that they were going to be restoring was The Red Shoes. And you just heard these gasps from the audiences like, oh, it's like, okay, I I didn't know this movie at that time. So I checked out the DVD, the Criterion DVD from the library. This was pre-restoration. So the color was kind of. Uh, it was uneven. It was it was faded and um, it muted, was, it, maybe? M- m- very muted. It was uneven because I mean you would go from bright color to sort of crappy color all throughout the whole film. But still, even in that sort of marred state, it was still completely captivating. Uh, I remember thinking, "Oh, I'll start this and probably finish it later." <laughs> That did not happen. I was completely drawn in by it instantly. Uh, And then seeing it after the restoration, when it was released on Blu-ray through Criterion and now 4K, uh, which is how I watched it this time, it's just stunning. And it's beautiful and vibrant. And every element of Jack Cardiff's, the great Jack Cardiff cinematography is is so vivid. And you see what a master he was and, and what a master writer, storyteller Powell and Pressburger were as a team. It was my first, I think, Powell and Pressburger movie. Uh, and I just sort of became an instant fan. It's like, what else have these did these guys make? And so I've seen several of them and, and I have not been disappointed by a single one of them. Every single one has been incredible. You know, I still have a few more to go, so I'm sure they may not all be bangers, but um, the ones that I've seen definitely are. <laughs> yeah. This is one that I've kind of been building up in my own head, like uh, hearing about it. And then like knowing that we were going to talk about it, I was kind of reading a little bit more online and people absolutely adore this movie and it's, beautiful it's gorgeous it's like oh man is this gonna be another one of those that might not live up to the hype am i not gonna be into it like no (laughs) i was it was the same thing for me i was absolutely like captivated and engaged and especially with the sequence of the performance of the red shoes i was just kind of watching it like are you kidding me this isn't fair that this is so good (laughs) i was kind of floored so easy easy five stars to give this movie i I know i mean it's it's one of those movies (laughs) where you just go you know five stars isn't enough for a movie like, like this. Yeah, this is one of the greatest movies ever. Yeah, yeah. it sort of transcends <laughs> all that. It's, I right. mean, truly a masterpiece 
of cinema. Just <laughs> incredible. More than I was picturing mm-hmm. in my mind, you know, I was like, okay, I was like, I was picturing that's going to be like really colorful and vibrant and um, like amazing set pieces. And it was all of that and more. Yeah. You know, I think my fear with it when I first came to it was that it was going to be kind of stuffy. That is going to be very, yeah. you know, sort of British and British and, and ba- yeah. ballet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just be artsy fartsy. And it's not right. any of it's that. Not. Just the way it starts with the sort of the security security guard standing by the door and you hear this banging Mm. from the outside and then all of these students rush in and fighting their way up the stairs to the balcony and they're bounding down and there's just such energy (laughs) in it and it says they're sitting there 45 minutes later and what are they watching they come to watch a ballet and you're like huh (laughs) you know i i I, I think that that just kind of sets the stage it's like you know you may not be into ballet but you're gonna like this movie Mm. you know that's kind of the way it's set straight from the beginning like this is a world that we're going to introduce you to if you don't know anything about the ballet or the music you know having to go with the ballet like we're gonna show you the people that are extremely passionate about this and like pull you into their world yeah there's a definite sense right from the beginning too that there's sort of this rivalry going on between the musicians and Mm -hmm. the dancers because you have um this group of students from the music academy who are like, oh, we're here to see our uh, professor. And he's, you know, he wrote the music for this, uh, The Heart of Fire, right? And uh, Did he? Palmer, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> then you have the other students who are like, oh, but uh, we're here for for to see Borinskaya. <laughs> Borinskaya, or I can't remember how to pronounce her name exactly. And, yeah, and she's, she's this, this great sort of dancing diva, you know. So there's just sort of this tension between the two. And it's important because, I mean, that's what you follow as this movie goes on, is you follow the rise of, of um, Julian mm-hmm. and also Vicky. You know, you have a composer and a dancer and how they sort of come up in this company together. But what do they say? What do they say more than anything in the movie, though, is like nothing is more important than the music, right. which it's to true. me is like a very important line because it's yeah. like, what about the dancer <laughs> well i mean obviously both are important but i mean the the key is i think you know losing herself in the music is is the key because she even says before she's about to go on for her first big performance right of the red mm. shoes she's freaking out all the chaos she going kn- on backstage when she hears the music yeah and she says when i hear the music will be fine and he says well at the head well <laughs> might as well introduce lermitov you know he says who's the i guess the creative director of this ballet company says to her, well, you know the music, so you'll be hearing the music, so you'll be fine. (laughs) You know, I think that's all very funny. This part at the beginning is kind of cute too, at first, like Mm -hmm. uh, when the, um, the look on the Palmer's face, the professor, when he sees that all of his students have showed up to hear, I like that little moment, even though Leah, you soon find out that he yeah stole the music from one of his students, but I right. thought that was that was pretty cute. Like he was I like, also, oh, they're, they're here for me. <laughs> That's so cute. I also love. There's a little second where the conductor, you know, um, yeah, he's he's being kind of looks up and he's like, he gives him he gives him a little he gives him a little <laughs> kiss, like an air kiss. Uh-huh. It's so funny, <laughs> and because um, they're calling his name and everything, we know him. <laughs> we know him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the whole sort of silent exchange where uh, Vicky's aunt, the countess, you know, is, is mm-hmm. going to, she's, she's watch she's not watching the 
the ballet, she's watching um, the box where Palmer and behind the curtain, you know, is Boris Lermitov. You only see his hand in this opening sequence. He's got his pencil and his note cards ready to take notes on the performance. And you just see him, you know, signaling, no, I'm not going to go. And and the Countess obviously saying, damn, but it's silent. I, I, I think that's all <laughs> yeah. so... The economy of storytelling in this movie is remarkable. Yeah. You never have a sense where you've lost your time and place. You kind of yeah. always know what's up. Because of insert shots, usually. I mean, like whether on you always get what's going on. Yeah, when like even yeah, the when he's painting the different uh, exactly city names, like on the luggage, exactly that kind of thing. Yeah, when they're on the Paris and Monte Carlo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then when you see. You know, we jump back to Monte Carlo a couple of times. We jump back to London a couple of times and we jump back to Paris a couple of times. So, but you always know what each one looks like and you always know the feel of mm -hmm. each one. And it's, it's really effective. Uh, and the energy of this movie is remarkable. <laughs> Again, another yeah. one of those like long movies. It's like what, two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. Love you don't, second you don't feel the time of it at all. Uh, mm -hmm. because it just it just clips it just goes at the pace that is right for the movie and uh when we're introduced to victoria page vicky moira shearer who is just lovely i have a she's amazing yeah i mean okay i i uh it's a little something about myself i really like redheads <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh i know that's a shock but uh <laughs> i'm just like Oh my gosh, she's just so luminous, beautiful in this movie, and uh -huh. yeah, and I the whole she's a perfect like uh, I don't know like picture to look at while she's dancing too with yeah with the, the red hair and her like porcelain skin like uh it's gorgeous yeah she reminded me a lot she looks a lot like Vivian Lee to me she does I hadn't thought of that her but face. you're very right uh -huh. about that she really really does and, and you know this this whole thing where you know she's going to essentially audition for Lermitov at this uh party but he uh, says yeah. no it's like he says for me I can't bear amateurs yeah for me dance is a religion and I can't I cannot stand to see my religion practiced in such a gaudy atmosphere or something like that um but I'd love this conversation that they have uh at that party where he asks her why do you want to dance and she responds why do you want to live and he says, I don't know why exactly, but I must. And she says, that's my answer too. And that's what he's looking for. He's looking for that kind of desperate need to dance. You know, again, dance is a religion and it's kind of a consuming life for for him and for her. That's what kind of sets up pretty much what the movie is about because... Yep. Yeah, earlier when he was talking to Lady Neston, like he kind of asked a similar question, not the same question, but asked like, you know, how would you define ballet or something? And she gives a very, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I think this is the right answer thing. Mm -hmm. And like, he's just like, Ugh, he's unimpressed, whatever. Yeah. But Vicky, as soon as Vicky says, why do you want to live? Like I, he perks up at that line because yeah. he's like, okay, he she can see it. right away mm -hmm. that she gets it and that they're kind of on the same level with with that with that kind of dedication almost to the point of obsession commitment right. to it whereas like this is yeah this is your life of religion this is the only thing that can be in your life right right uh then of course the other 
the other person that we follow most closely, I think, who's sort of rising up the ranks is Julian Craster, who is a composer. And at the performance, he realizes that his music was stolen by his professor for the ballet that they have seen. And he writes a letter to Lermitov saying, saying as much. And he, he mm-hmm. shows up at his breakfast saying, I, I, I'd <laughs> like to get that letter back. Uh, ne- never. And, and, I've you already know, read this letter. Yeah. And then, you know, Larmatov says, you know, do do yourself a favor and never mention this again. <laughs> and he says he says a line here. This is after he gives him the job. He says he needs a coach for the orchestra. So it's sort of a mm-hmm. foot in the door. It's not particularly glamorous. It's it's a lackey. It's, <laughs> you know, okay. he's a, he's the he's a sort of the assistant to the assistant of the conductor, not a key. I wasn't role. really sure what that meant. I was like, yeah. coach, that seems like a big deal. Yeah, no, it's, it's, okay. it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a big deal for a student. I mean, it's, but I mean, okay. it's a foot in the door, but the line he says, you know, after he says, you know, don't tell anyone about this. He says, it is much more disheartening to have, to have to steal exactly. than to be stolen from. I like that line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he basically says, you know, you can, you could write more good stuff. Your professor can't. And this is where, even though, like, throughout the rest of the movie, you pretty, yeah, Lermontov is not a great guy. There are, like, little hints like this, mm-hmm. I think, sprinkled in throughout where he does have a heart, where that passion does extend, you know, to other people and to their passions as well. You know, like, he could have just completely thrown this kid aside and not given him a chance because yeah. of the letter that he wrote, mm-hmm. he, you know, but he does. He sees the, the talent and the passion in him and he wants to give him a chance. So he's he's not completely evil. I don't know. I always want to try to find the the good in somebody. So yeah, he's, he's definitely got he's got his moments. He I, also I is the only one who champions Vicky. You know, mm-hmm. no one else thinks she can do it, including the choreographer, including the producers. No one else in the company is like impressed with her at all, except he. Yeah you know, sees her that one time. So some of the things that are kind of interesting, you know, I I think Julian says a line in this early stage here that I think makes him at least at first, one of, one of the ways the audience can get in. Cause he says, I'm afraid I don't know much about the ballet. And -hmm. I think that's probably true. A lot of people who are going to see this movie, he then says, I'm a composer, which, you know, is not necessarily relatable either, but (laughs) we, we, uh, have an in with him, I think. But one of the things I like about this is, you know, you see like all the backstage chaos, you see all the, but you also see sort of this camaraderie going on. Um, Whereas one of the things in Black Swan is that so much of it is not, so much of it is rivalry. Whereas here you actually have these people generally like each other, (laughs) you know, even if they, (laughs) even if they have to butt heads from time to time, you know? I think what you get to, I mean, yeah, people might not know a lot about ballet, but I think one people thing that people do know about ballet is that it's in- incredibly demanding. Yes. So I think that's, that's kind of all you need to know about this, you know, because it's, it's pretty much a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what this and Black Swan digs into. Oh, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I love all this behind the scenes stuff where you Me meet too. people. I love um, Grisha and Sergey are like my favorite people in this whole movie. Because <laughs> they are the best. Because Sergey's in there. Sergei, like, the, the, so- he's just the set decorator, but he's like so, again, he's like just so passionate about his work. It's like the plans say it goes here, so it goes here. <laughs> here yeah 
and later on it's like the elephants they broke the door yeah. <laughs> he's so sad about his sets i love him but grisha grisha and arena are probably like the cutest it's little so couple <laughs> Dude, they're not a couple they're not but a they're couple. like besties yeah they're like besties pretty much like that <laughs> because she is the diva yeah he, she's like the prima ballerina yeah, of the company prima yeah the prima ballerina is a better way to to say it and he is the choreographer is it is this the one where she's late to rehearsal mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah she's always late she's always late <laughs> and he's so funny but you know he has no time for uh people like vicky oh um i know mr lermitov personally it's like well you and five other girls that are over there you know <laughs> that's sort of the harsh reality that she faces and you know the fact that lermitov ignores both of them both yeah. vicky and julian just kind of get completely ignored by him because i think it's because he he needs them he knows who they are he's a, he's what, invited them both there yeah, he's a and he completely he, ignores their presence i think he's just like you know you guys need to work your way in you need to work your you need to fight for your spot or i'm not interested in in what you can do he doesn't have to be such a dick though like he just walks right on by vicky <laughs> it reminds me and she says hi to him but ultimately i get it i had a i had a choir director in college who uh i remember at the beginning of the year we were all just kind of like he was so demanding and he was so you know he would if there was a mess up he'd sort of go no <laughs> <laughs> I remember all of this very well. And I remember when we were on the tours for the Christmas stuff and he had his bell choir from his church with him. He was just as tough on them. And he would be like, it's like, you're no, this, the downbeat is here, this or that, you know. But then I remember them hanging out on the bus together and laughing and they enjoyed each other. I was like, what's going on? We're all still f- kind of freaked by this guy. By the end of the year, we got it. I mean, because there was that something that developed in that develops in in that i mean the next time i had him he had softened considerably uh, but at the same time i kind of get it you know it's like where you kind of want to impress a person you kind of want to get some affirmation from them so even when you get the smallest one it's like okay that's enough <laughs> that's good right you know and yeah. you see that later between lermitov and julian because he doesn't say good job he's more like okay get back to work <laughs> you know mm-hmm. when he picks out the mistake in yeah. the yeah. in the or- orchestration yeah and he doesn't really say anything he's kind of like yeah you noticed that good job exactly there <laughs> didn't say good job but that's pretty much what he's saying yeah you know so i, I think it's very kind of true to that i mean i've only touched the edges of it to be honest but it's very true to that world of i guess demanding performance like that professional performance yeah i feel like it's the same thing with you know sports or anything i've Mm -hmm. never been like super involved in that but there is a sense of you got to do the work and you'll be respected for the kind of work that you put in and the performance that you put out you know that's that's kind of what i that's what i get from that too like there's that side of it and then there's like your normal life side where you can be different it's just like the the passion goes into all of it goes into that work for that for that time when you're like when you really get into it right right there are a lot of interesting touches that go throughout here but like julian sort of his ambition gets a little better of him and he calls the early morning rehearsal of the musicians brings mm-hmm. them in early in the morning to uh cover some things you realize we'll have to pay them these men exactly and they get paid a lot i mean if they're coming if they're coming for extra time they'd probably get paid time and a half 
for that. So this is a big <laughs> no-no that he's doing here. But at the same time, I think um, Lermitov in particular kind of admires his drive. The initiative uh, even that he if takes it's, right away. Yeah, even if it is a little bit. It's, it's misguided in a couple of ways because not only as he, <laughs> the cost of it all, but he's kind of undermining the head conductor. And the head conductor hasn't shown any any signs of being weak. This guy really knows his stuff. He's very, very good at what he does. Um, then this uh, scene where Vicky is performing at the little tiny, the Mercury Theater in London. Very familiar mm-hmm. ballet. Yeah. <laughs> She's performing right. there. She's performing Swan Lake. <laughs> And yeah. there's some really interesting things going on here. She kind of is performing for the love of performing. Mm-hmm. There's, I think there's less pressure. She's just kind of, I love that, you know, like the record skips and stuff like that because they don't have a live orchestra. It, it's just sort of funny things that happen. And Lermitov goes to see her, but the camera does something really cool here is it spins from her point of view. I think that I is bet. that is one of the great, brilliant elements. And it just does this close-ups on her face as she's spinning, too, which is, you know, Martin Scorsese noted, like, if you're going to make a dance film, conventionally, you'd, you'd want to show, like, the whole person dancing. Especially if the actress was an actual dancer. Which she is, yeah. You want to see her actually, yeah, you want to see her actually doing the moves. And and she does do, you are seeing a lot of, a lot of that, but yeah. but to, to actually do these close-ups like that means that they're trying to do something deeper. They're trying to get into the psychology mm-hmm. of it more than... Especially this one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. More than just the you know physicality and i think that is mm. was an interesting i mean i more scorsese's seen this movie a lot more than i have but uh, <laughs> i can probably analyze it much more deeply than i can well because she can see him mm-hmm. in the audience she knows that he's watching her and then when that last time yeah he's gone yeah you can just see like oh it's like i screwed up or something yeah. she's thinking that she's doesn't have a chance she's lost it her chance with him but um, but what's actually happening is this is the first time he's truly impressed with her, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. which we hear him say later. And Vicky makes the cut to go on the tour uh, to Paris and Monte Carlo. This is where I, I swear this is exactly the same as Black Swan because he picks out the people that he picks exactly the same way as he does in Black Swan. Or like you think that the people that he's tapping or the people that he says yeah. are the ones that he picked when really he's those people are like, nope, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're actually the ones that are out. They're not the ones that are in. <laughs> yeah. And now we find out that our prima ballerina announces that she is getting married. Yay. And so she's going to be leaving the company. And um, boy, does that piss off Larmatov. He has no heart, that man. Oh, well, that's kind of certainly has no sentimentality. So Everyone else is congratulating her and he just dips out because he's mad. Because his, his only concern is the company. His only concern is the is the performance. And so he needs a new lead. And there we go. Opens the door, though. So, you know. <laughs> True. Almost like, you know, someone got pushed down the stairs backstage. <laughs> right before a performance. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> That's another movie that that sort of I think uh, Showgirls actually does have some something to owe to this 
uh, to this movie as well really? in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. In a weird way. Anyway, then then we have this wonderful moment, right, where he brings in uh, Crestor. He says, hey, we have this music for the Red Shoes. We want you to rewrite it. But he tells the whole story of the Red Shoes. You know, mm-hmm. not only the Anderson story, which, you know, these Red Shoes take her through life and she she essentially dances herself to death. Uh, death, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, is also telling the story of the movie we're watching, which, mm-hmm. again, is this exactly the same thing that happens in Black Swan, uh, where we are told this, this, this fairy story, but it's also telling us the plot of the movie. So we know how this movie is going to end if we're paying attention. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Um, <laughs> it kind of brings up the fantastical elements of the movie too, because yes. as soon as Lermontov closes the whatever it is, the music book or whatever that's got the title of the Red Shoes, like uh, Julian sort of zones out as soon as he like hears that name. It's like there's some kind of power that the story itself has yeah. over people. It's kind of weird because like his Lermontov's voice fades out and he kind of like has a moment where he's like, oh, sorry, I was miles away. <laughs> right. So. Well, I mean, he's also, I think, realizing that this is it. This could be the break. This could be the the opportunity to get into this. Well, what Lermontov says here is, again, like pretty much what the whole movie is. Time rushes by, love rushes by, life rushes by. Mm-hmm. But the red shoes dance on. The red shoes dance on. And then, then what he says, like, Craster um, uh, asks, um, Julian, sorry, uh, asks, like, well, how does it end? He's like, oh, she dies at the end. He just says it, like, so blase. And <laughs> But that's kind of the end of is, so many of these kinds of stories, you know, Op- right. Opera I mean, it's the and, end of Swan Lake. You know, Shakespearean <laughs> yeah. tragedy, ballet, you know, they all kind of have this these endings where everybody dies. But it was another kind of thing for me where the, the actual, it, only the passion for the thing matters, maybe not so much the person who's doing it, you know, mm. where it's like the dance matters, not the dancer. Yeah. Is what I kind of, it's a kind of message that I, I got from this. Not a very good one, but... You know what I mean? It's um yeah yeah and I I I I know what you mean I know what you mean. There's a real dark streak going through this movie. You know, even though mm. it's it's bright and colorful all the way through, really. There's real heavy dark things going on uh, in the undercurrent. Just mostly about how the ballerina can't have a life, you know? That's yeah. why he gets so mad at Irina yep. for getting engaged. And he says, like, you can't have it both ways. You know, you can't... Mm-hmm. You know, whoever wants to get married is an... Im- he calls her an imbecile <laughs> for wanting to get married and right. not be a ballerina. It's like, well, she's also a person. You know, she's not just a dancer. Right. And but I he's think- so into his own obsession with it or dedication to it or the need to control Mm -hmm. and make it as make it perfect you know another thing from from black swan is like yeah ballet is all about perfection and like you know the the movements and the music getting them all right and that's how i that's what kind of what i get from it it's all about like doing everything perfect and having the music and the movements time up perfectly and one little mistake ruins the whole show and you have to that's why you have to have that kind of dedication to something as demanding as ballet because it's all about doing everything perfectly right yeah i think i'll save the that for black swan 
sort of my some of my comments on that be, to to dovetail that because I think it, yeah that I, that, I think more, it's that part a of the story sword. more has to do with blood swine yeah yeah so simultaneously that we have Julian sort of finding reaching a new level in his career here so does Vicky but Lermitov says my belief in your possibilities is not shared by my colleagues so he is the only one that <laughs> believes in her and i think her story is supposed to be i think the reason why he's so upset arena i think is sort of the proto vicky he had his this vision that arena was going to be one of the great dancers and she to his mind at least betrays him and essentially, I think that's the trajectory here of Vicky as well. And he sees the writing on the wall uh, after sort of the success of the of the Red Shoes uh, when he finds out the news later <laughs> after after the yeah. Red Shoes is premiered. Is this the scene? And you be talking about the one in Monte Carlo when he, yeah. when he when he tells her about the Red Shoes? Yes. And he says, you know, essentially, it's what you do with this opportunity is entirely up to you. It's like you're you're at this point where you're either going to become one of the greatest or you could squander this and that's on you, you know. <laughs> My note on that scene. Okay, because they're in Monte Carlo and he calls her from her hotel to wherever they're having like some kind of meeting about this. She's wearing this amazing blue dress. Right. Okay, because she's about to go out. Yeah. And he calls her out to like bumfuck wherever that they're having this meeting just to say, hey, you're going to be in this ballet. Go to bed. It's like, that could have been said in an email. This wasn't like email time, <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you <laughs> said over the phone. You made her waste this amazing uh, costume that she's wearing. <laughs> I think there's an, a, a sense of the seriousness of this though it's like this right. this is your moment and are you going to take it or are you going to squander it are you going to prove these people wrong mm. or not and so i think there's a gravity that's brought into it and then you know right after that he because he sort of ignores craster at first for in favor of yeah. vicky and then he's he's talking to craster and he's saying okay now what have you done what have you done with this music and he plays some of it for them. And then he says, all right, rewrite the whole thing. He says, I don't want to see you until it's done. <laughs> I do kind of like his method a little bit there. where yeah. You, you, you kind of wish that he would give some more praise. Yeah. But he, he is in his way. He is. You know, he's he not is. saying like, you're doing amazing. You know, he just mm -hmm. says, oh, and yeah, this, go write it. <laughs> this is how I see that type of person being, though, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I think that's very true. He's not one who gives praise. He just doesn't do it. So you have to understand certain yeah. signals from him as his approval. We've all had that thing where it's like you want to hear good job from like a certain person. You know, you can yeah. hear it from the people that you love so much and it doesn't mean anything. But if you hear it from a certain person, uh, yeah. that means everything. Yep. And that's what makes you want to keep going. That's right. That's right. I, and I understand that for sure. The scene right after that, they're both supposed to go to bed for the night, but right. they have that scene on the balcony. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is like kind of brilliant because that's some major foreshadowing that you would never guess was foreshadowing, yeah. you know? 
<laughs> I couldn't believe that when I when I watched it again. Yeah. Because um, they're on the they're on the balcony. They're having a conversation. The train goes by, yeah. and then like watching it to the end, I was like, oh man, that was that's really good. And then yeah. like I like uh, when she's walking away, the the newspaper that just kind of dances yeah. in the wind to her that mm-hmm. she puts her foot on, and like she sees a picture of her and Lermontov in the paper. Right. Like just little shit about this movie is just like amazing yeah. and and the fact that i mean i know they met before but that they have their first significant scene together on a balcony i think is a little <laughs> bit of a romeo and juliet kind of thing because they are yeah ultimately kind of star-crossed lovers in this there's a sadness to their love story as it were, but it they don't particularly like each other <laughs> when when he's <laughs> when he's having to sit around and play the music for her all the time, and she's like, "I'm tired of hearing the music all the time." It's like it's like <laughs> you need to get it in your soul. You need to get the music in your soul because yeah. this is the line um, that I think you mentioned that is really important. The music is all that matters, you know. And I think what he means by that is this needs to not just be something that's in your mind. It's not just about perfectly syncing yourself to the music. It's not just about that kind of perfection. It needs to penetrate your soul for it Mm -hmm. to have any value or meaning to you or the audience. So that your performance mm -hmm. can have that same kind of soul. And I think that's what the director is constantly trying to convey to Natalie Portman's character in Black Swan as well. It's like you are, your steps are perfect, but I never see you lose yourself in the music. And uh, for the Red Shoes to be effective as a ballet, it has to be all-encompassing of Vicky. She has to give herself over to it completely. That's when they're arguing about, like, she can't match her her dance to the tempo. Like, the music right. is too fast. Like, the tempo is too fast. I love all that, too. I love all that because they're <laughs> See just this fighting with each other. Follow it. Yeah. yeah. The tempo is perfect. Follow <laughs> it. You know, this is the tempo. This is the tempo. The payoff of all that is perfect. The payoff of all of that is when it comes time for the actual performance and they're all nervous and getting ready. Like Julian goes into Vicky and says, dance whatever tempo you like. Well, I'll follow you. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. Love that moment. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things of it. And it's like, I mind too. <laughs> well, and there's also this great exchange where he says, he asks her, aren't you going to imagine anything on your first night? And she says, yes, a wall between me and the audience. <laughs> Uh-huh. But that's a problem because if you're to connect with your audience, you need to um, not have that wall there. You can't just be entirely yeah. inside yourself. There's a huge difference between a live performance mm-hmm. yeah, and something in front of a camera. Yeah, absolutely. There has to be that connection with the, the audience. Yeah. There's also, you know, when they're in their rehearsal scenes, you know, where he's yelling at her about the tempo, where they're sort of fighting with each other about the tempo and stuff, you see that Lermitov is enjoying this tension. Oh, absolutely. Yes. (laughs) That that this tension is going to make them better, you know, because it's Mm -hmm. it's it's an iron sharpens iron idea. It's gonna cause a lot of sparks in the process, but they're gonna both get better because they are sort of hitting up against each other all the time. also that clash between the musicians and dancers that we were talking about Mm -hmm. because she's saying like well if you understood dance you would like understand like 
how hard this is for me to keep up with that music and they were like well no they just have to well if you knew, find a way to make it work together it was yeah, like if you, if you knew music it, you would know this is the right tempo uh yeah yeah exactly and i love that tension between the musicians and the dancers that's sort of they're all i mean it's thematic because i mean it's boiled down to being between those two characters and it and it plays into the ending you know it, t- it sort of leads you to the inevitable ending of of these two it's kind of like between Irina and Grisha though because they're always like constantly like fighting together but when Irina is leaving they have that moment where she's like uh, I'm not going to be late to you know rehearsals anymore there's you know no more lateness no more class is going to start on time and then Grisha's just like but no more Irina yeah. <laughs> that's such a sweet moment where it's like yeah when it comes down to it like you know they're just people that yeah. that love each other yeah. and that's what Vicky and Julian have too they can have that balance that Lermontov doesn't yes, want them to have. Exactly. Uh, he wants the tension. He doesn't want the balance. Um, so this premiere, I, I love the way this is all set up. It, it uh, All the craziness is going on backstage. I mean, literally, the overture is playing. And it's like uh-huh. they're backstage. The door won't close. And everyone's freaking out <laughs> except for Lermontov. Lermontov, yes. He is... <laughs> Just walking through this like he's got this. He's putting out all these little fires yeah. everywhere. Yeah. He's he's calm. Yeah. He's like, the door won't close. Like, get the cowboy to do it. He's not going to be doing anything. Yeah. The red, you're missing the red shoes. Did you hide them somewhere that you can't remember yeah. right now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I just, I just love that. But, and then she's freaking out. It's like, I, I don't, I don't remember my steps. I don't remember my entrance. And it's like, well, what is what is the first music? And it's like, well, this da 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 or whatever. And she says, I, I get it when I hear the music. Well, you'll be hearing the music, so you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. tells her to dance with the same ecstasy I've seen you dance with only once before on a wet Saturday at the Mercury in London. Yeah. She knows exactly what he means, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So that... That chintzy little performance of Swan Lake, uh, you know, for in that tiny theater. It's those early years where you're doing it for the love of it that are really the great years. Absolutely. Yeah. That always seems to be the story, doesn't it? It is. I mean, that's almost famous, (laughs) right? I mean, even even a band that's on the brink of fame and not quite there yet. They're talking about the early days when they were the Jeff Beebe band and (laughs) all those. those, Those were the glory days. That red shoes ballet okay, sequence. So here we go. That sequence. Oh my god. So what was your reaction? I mean, b- b- the, I don't. My jaw was on the floor, like pretty much the whole time. I was like, first of all, I mean, they, they play out a good twenty minutes of it. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Isn't think that's it? about right. No, I was literally like, just what I was, what I had said earlier. I was just watching it. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, this is so beautiful, I so am. good. It's also so odd at the same time because it's got that it's got that fantastic element about it where things are happening on stage that couldn't happen on stage so it's like you're you're definitely brought into the story the fairy tale that it this Mm -hmm. the red shoes is is based on it's not you're not just watching the performance you're being i don't know being drawn into like the actual story of it because Well, I mean, one of the first things is when she notices the red shoes in the window and she's and then um, like a basically a hologram or something of herself. Right. (laughs) She sees herself in the window wearing them. It's like, well, that couldn't happen on stage. Right. So like what's going on here? So I thought that was all this stuff was amazing. And then the famous shot where she jumps into them and and they they, they lace and they lace up. 
automatically. Yeah. But yeah, just as it just kept going, like the sets get more elaborate and then like the sets would change right underneath her feet or the costumes would change. And I was just like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. It's uh yeah yeah <laughs> i had it's to watch the, the whole sequence again before we before we got on here because i just i wanted to see it again because yeah. i was just spellbound by it you know and there's there's some interesting stuff you know going on psychologically for her too because like oh, the, yeah, sh- the shoemaker at one point changes into lermitov and then into craster mm-hmm. and, and she sort of yep. runs toward toward that that yeah that famous shot of her mm-hmm. sweating, the makeup on her with the the little lines oh, under her so eyes and stuff cool. is so, it's so cool. And then she also imagines at one point that uh, Julian is like, you can, it's her on stage, and then you can see uh, Julian uh, orchestrating, and then he kind of appears on, he comes closer towards her mm-hmm. on stage, but then it turns into someone who's actually in the ballet. So yeah, yeah it's, you're definitely getting that, yeah, that this story is sort of yeah. mirroring what her actual story is, like her conflict going on between yeah. these two guys. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, it's a love triangle, but in a different sense, I, I it's a, she actually, she, she is in love with Julian, but Lermitov represents you know, this dance career, this dream mm. of hers that she's always had. It's a love triangle between, instead of being between three people, really is between <laughs> two people yeah. and this dream, you know, and this desire to, to dance. It's really you know? between what these two, what these two people represent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One person represents her greatest passion. The re- the reason that she said earlier that she lives for is to dance. But then there's yep. also... You know, this a person that she actually loves, who loves her mm-hmm. no, no matter where she dances, no matter how big she gets. Yeah. But yeah. this other person can give her, her her biggest dream. Yeah. But yeah, Lermontov's love for her is not a, a romantic love. No. I and you know, I think you can read it either way, but I, I think it makes more sense to not read it as a romantic love with Lermontov. I think in 48 people might have, <laughs> but I think now, now I think you can pretty clearly see that the character is gay um, and that it has a lot more mm-hmm. to do with his, his position as this, I guess, king maker for lack of a better term, you know, this someone who can, who can make her, you know, the queen of the mm-hmm. universe of dance, right? He has that power if she's willing to commit entirely to it. But she has to yeah. commit to it. He can't do it for her. And she wants to. Yeah, That's she does. She wants to. She's being pulled in both directions. There's a really telling scene later that, that is really powerful about okay. that. But uh, something I wanted to say about this sequence. I really think that because of this scene, we have the ballet in An American in Paris and in Singing in the Rain. Because... It's sort of this modern section of both of those movies that is this long, only musically accompanied dance in both those films. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love Singing in the Rain, I think a, one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time, I, there's just no doubt about it. But the way that this movie does that is so much more organic than it is in Singing in the Rain. In Singing in the Rain, it's like, oh, okay, we're shifting to the modern section. 
You know, it even pre- uh-huh. it like announces it. It's almost funny uh, how they announce it. <laughs> but but here it's like it's not only is it in the story, you know, not only is it this ballet that they're performing, literally performing, but it's giving us these character insights. It's giving us um, these just these important elements of the narrative where it's has come to this point and where it's going to go. And I don't think that a modern dance sequence has ever been better than it is in this. Um, it is, it is really remarkable. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it is. And, and you know, and the, the one, uh, frankly, the ballet in, in an American in Paris is another one. It's just incredible. It, you know, it's clear that there was uh, Gene Kelly and Stanley Don, and I can imagine were like, yeah, that, that movie, let's do that. <laughs> let's do that. You know, I, I'm convinced of it. Let's try to do that. Yeah. I have no proof of that. But anyway. So I think I said all I need to say about it, really. I mean, visually, I love so many little parts of this whole performance. Um, the whole circus thing yeah. that she dances through yeah. is so cool. And then another like little element that I loved is like you especially notice it um, when she's walking over the pieces of plastic yeah. that kind of fall to the ground is like there's no sound mm-hmm. but the music mm-hmm. you think you would hear like the plastic crinkling or you know the the sound for point shoes but no you just it's just all about the music again yeah and then i think another reason that this is good for people that you don't think this is going to be a little bit too stuffy for you because of ballet is not this is very modern yeah this especially this performance because you know the costumes are very it's not it's not a ballet of you know like tutus you know, that and, takes place yeah yeah mm-hmm. tutus is not that kind of ballet at all like they're i love the the costuming of like the the extra the chorus the yeah. way that they're, they're just wearing like regular clothes and then like her, their point shoes match their <laughs> yeah. their outfits um it's very cool and um it's just, I mean, it's just a feast for the eyes. And yeah. uh, one, the fa- my favorite part is when um, it's the story of the red shoes is that like, you know, the, the shoes make her dance all night. And then there's the, the point where she's trying to go home and the shoes won't let her. They want to keep dancing. And there's that shot of um, Grisha's arms and hands, the, the, the huge shadow right. mm-hmm. that appears on the floor while she's like fighting with the shoes. It's just... Uh, I was just like stunned by everything, and the, when she she's dancing with the newspaper that turns oh, into that's the guy, so I was like, "Incredible! Are you kidding me <laughs> again?" Yeah. Like, or just the way that um, there's uh, there's Vicky, and then there's like two other dancers that are you know lifted into the air, and then mm-hmm. they they sort of fade into you know pictures of flowers, and then birds, and yeah. then clouds, and yes. then switch back and. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Just everything about this. I, at the end, I was like, that's maybe the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It's just remarkable. It's remarkable. So the next day. But then what I, yeah, that's what I love is like, after all of this, it just kind of goes back to. Business as usual. Business as usual in the dance studio. And I love how <laughs> you come. Any swelling? It's like, I mean, in the head, all that clapping. <laughs> Last night, you were not bad. Not good, but not bad. <laughs> I just love that. And then he then he finally says, uh, uh, what's his name? The uh, Grisha says his first Grisha. name. Finally says his first name and introduces himself to her because she has now become a person 
<laughs> you know, right, she, right. She, she is because he was uh, Mr. Lube or whatever Lubov. Yeah, before right. He's like I'm Grisha. Yeah, I'm Vicky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really cute. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that part. Uh, but, you know, I, I love that whole situation where there's just no time to bask. Uh, there's only time to improve. Mm-hmm. There's only time to do it better tomorrow. And I think that is kind of the professional performer's way of things. I mean, when the show closes, you can have a cast party. But for now, we're just going to see if we can make it better tomorrow. Just because you had one great performance? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. We got to do it again. Yep. That's right. <laughs> Then, you know, like Craster comes into uh, Lerm- Lermontov's office and just seems to want some kind of indication that some kind of approval, some kind of indication that Lermontov's happy with his work. And he ignores him pretty much because <laughs> Vicky is coming and he wants to talk to Vicky. He asks her, you know, he sort of brings back that whole conversation they had. You asked me why. I want to live. And and I asked you why you want to dance. And you said you wanted to, it's like, why do you have to live and all that? And he asked her, what do you want from life to live to dance is what she says. And there's no hesitation in that. Her response is she wants to dance more than anything else. So life and dance are completely intertwined for her. There is, there is no life without dance. Which is part of the sadness of this yeah, I know. <laughs> last section of the movie. There's mm-hmm. a real melancholy. Because we discover that Julian and Vicky's romance began with the red shoes. And now Lermontov is clearly jealous. And like I said, you can read that two ways. And you can see how happy Lermontov is before. There's like a little montage of her in different mm-hmm. Uh, performances yes. mm-hmm. and you can including see he's swan lake right <laughs> including swan lake i love the little doll thing when she's like the little marionette doll oh, that's yeah, a yeah. great little sequence that reminded me of that. uh of uh last night in soho the i'm a puppet on the right. screen scene. <laughs> like, she's so good at yeah. that i mean you can see like how this is exactly what he wanted he wanted you know the, the dancer that he could you know feature this way and to, for one could probably make them a lot of money yeah um mm-hmm. But also somebody that could just have the same kind of passion that that he has that could share that with him. And he's so happy that she was willing to to do this. And yeah, when you kind of you feel for both of them in the situation when he's when he gets so mad hearing about her and Julian. Yeah. Anyway, because like it's like you said, he feels left out. (laughs) Well, and also you said you wanted to dance out of life. You lied to me. You know, I, I think he feels a betrayal. <laughs> I think he sees things going the same way they went with Arena. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He always feels kind of left behind in a way. So, like, yeah. not just for not as a dance, but me, just as, as a person, he always feels like he's just left in the dust by people that move on to other things. And he's stuck in his own obsession, you know? Yeah. And he always told yeah, them, too. He always told them, you know, if you want to do this, you have to give your all to it. Do you want it or not? And they always say yes, but then they don't show it. I love it. There's also a lot of jealousy, too, I think, when because um, he doesn't know anything about their romance. He hears about it at Grisha's uh, birthday party. So cute. I love that huge, like, champagne, champagne bottle and everything. <laughs> when he asks, I love that. This is my favorite line delivery of the whole movie. When um, he asks, when this, when did this romance begin? And someone says, with the red shoes. And, like, the, the look on his face and the way he says, 
charming (laughs) because there's that jealousy of what you just said but also that it was the red shoes that it was his play that he did the ballet that he he did for her pretty much think about it lermontov is essentially their matchmaker he forces them to spend time together uh exactly (laughs) he's like you know he's gonna play this for you at every single meal at tea time all the time every time you're resting he's gonna you're gonna be in his presence so it's like dude it's kind of your fault <laughs> there's a, yeah so there's a sense of jealousy and that hurt but also Regret. it's like oh this is i i did it god damn it yeah. <laughs> i didn't even realize what i was doing at the time yeah so i mean you see you know the performance of swan lake he starts getting you just see the look on his face on lermontaugh's face you know yeah. it's so dark he's got sort of this pale sweaty sunken look to him <laughs> Looks like he's going insane, you know, and does he get more gray hair uh-huh. throughout the movie too? Or is that just so. me? Is that just I me? Think, okay. I think a little bit. Uh, I think so. You know, his jealousy is starting to affect his judgment. You can see that he, cause he just kind of flies off the handle uh, against her and against Craster, you know, he fires him essentially and, or, mm-hmm. or gets Craster to the point where he says he wants to quit it's like, okay, yeah. then here, I'm going to give you your severance check and see ya. But, you know, he does give him severance, <laughs> which is something, uh, I guess. And then <laughs> I love, you know, Grisha comes in and, and resigns too, but he yeah. doesn't mean it. You kind of get the sense that he's done it a thousand times before. Probably. Yeah. Right. And uh, Craster kind of takes a little dig at him too. In that scene, he says something about how you know some of us think of you know ballet as a second-rate means of expression. Kind of shot yourself in the foot there, I think. Yeah. So, because I mean, what uh, I think it's clear pretty early on that what he wants to do is write an opera, Julian. This is something that he mentions, I think, in their first meeting. He says, "I'm working on an opera." You know. Then Vicky confronts him on this Lermitov Lermontov. I keep on saying leaving out the second N, I'm sorry. Uh Lermitov keeps keeps <laughs> Lerm- Lerm- Lermontov. Lermontov. So Vicky confronts Lermontov and says, you know, if Julian goes, I shall go too. And he says to her, I could make you one of the greatest dancers in the world the world has ever known. And that's what it all comes down to. I mean, it's not anything but just this ambition of making her great, I think. You know, to increase his own reputation, too. I think that's a big part of it. Sure. But it, he represents, I think, that dance, that dream of dance more than he represents anything else in particular to her, at least. Absolutely. So to lose him, to turn her back on him is her turning her back on her dream for Julian. Yeah, that's that, that <laughs> leads to some some real somber stuff. Does. Um, and so she leaves with Julian and they get married. And you know, the scene where he, uh, Lerman, ta- they talk about how, you know, she can dance wherever she likes, except the red shoes. She can dance anything but the red shoes. Mm-hmm. And on Julian, on the other hand, we had him under contract. We own everything he ever wrote for us. <laughs> he can write yeah. whatever he wants, but I have no any interest in anything else he writes, but there's no, but we own this i mean the main thing is the red shoes i mean that's what he really wants he doesn't want it performed again because it's i don't Not without her is it too painful you know that's i think might be he only sees her Mm -hmm. in the main role yeah i like that scene after 
again with the the storytelling you just see the uh, little telegram yep. or whatever that says that Vicky and Julian got married and then the scene where he's just pretty much just in his v- room like fuming in the dark and then he like punches the mirror yep. i mean that tells you again it's just more like he's of just his got a lot going his on. jealousy and his his anger at himself mm-hmm. and at the two of them yeah and then it kind of makes you wonder it kind of makes you think about if this is if this is what can set him off like would what would vicky's life be like with him if she mm-hmm. you know like would he eventually turn on her if she didn't do everything you know, perfectly right like would she really be happy either way yeah you know would would her passion turn into a hate for her passion if he was too much for her you know and then going with julian like yeah. it seems like she just has to follow his dreams and forget about hers like then that's she right. wouldn't be fulfilled so yeah. that's that's such a huge she, she's huge um, she gets the being short pulled. end of the stick in all of this doesn't she yeah. yeah no matter what choice she makes it's kind of the wrong one <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Now, Irina returns to the Lermontov Ballet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's interesting because at the end of... Because apparently a whole season goes by and he says something like, it was a good season. You know, nothing spectacular, nothing great. Yeah. She it's, it's like Irina is good still, of course. She had a natural talent, but she's lost something that would have made her you know the great dancer that she was perhaps i'm reading too much into it but i kind of get that he's pleased but he's not overjoyed i think so yeah Yeah. and then you know we find out julian has written a new opera that's going to premiere then vicky writes some of the sort of inner circle letters I like Sergei, he says, uh, she calls him a monster, <laughs> I read the a gifted, cruel monster. You should have told him that anyway, because he doesn't want, he doesn't want <laughs> Lermontov to read his letter that yeah. she wrote to him. It's like, well, we all know that. You're like, you should have just told him that to his face. <laughs> so what is with the, um, is this what Lermontov is picturing? Like, there's kind of that weird little scene of mm-hmm. Julian and Vicky in bed. Yeah. And then she, he he gets up to play the piano and she gets out to uh she kind of goes into a, like a drawer it doesn't seem like it's a real room it seems again yeah, it seems like something like a fantasy mm-hmm. very dreamlike she goes to like the bottom drawer of a dresser and like those all her point shoes are in there yeah and then she goes to up to julian at the piano and hugs him again it kind of that still felt like uh her giving up her dream for him kind of yeah. uh, vision too though that's what i saw in that for scene. for his dream yeah who who was was that that was that with vicky was you know i think it can be interpreted in a couple of different ways it could be lermontov's idea of what must be ha- happening i yeah. i guess i just inter i just kind of went with it and saw it as this is what's really happening with them whether that it's done in sort of a fantasy sort of image of it because mm-hmm. it, you're right it's a very unreal feeling but it's kind of a beautiful sad melancholy moment you know because she has not been able to get work dancing elsewhere she's still been going to class she's still, still been, been working mm-hmm. practicing yeah yeah but maybe other companies just don't want to touch that because they don't want to piss Lermontov off. That's true. I don't know. I didn't think about that. Yeah, because he seems to be, you know, just sort of this powerful presence in all this. But uh, 
you know, Julian is, is actually having some real success. You know, he's about to premiere this opera and there's some acclaim behind it all. You know, you see Lermontov is about to write a note to her to, I think to say, Hey, I want you back. Come back here and dance the red shoes for us. But then he hears that she's she's coming gonna to, be she's coming to visit her aunt again. Yeah, and I wrote down he lights up like a stalker because <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's so true. Yeah, because yeah. he's like, oh, I'm gonna go. I'm not even gonna because he throws his letter that he, yeah he started to write to her away because yeah. he's just gonna show up wherever she happens to be. Yeah. And that's exactly what he does. He does, yeah. He shows, meets her right at the train station, right? But there's a conversation where Lermontov asks her, "Are you happy?" And she says, "Yes, very happy." But her eyes kind of fall away. You know, they they mm-hmm. she looks down uh like no <laughs> i i i am i am i'm happy with with this aspect of my life but i am you know she, but this is where we find you know like you said she continues to work and go to class but not perform and then he asks her, says to her put on the red shoes vicky and dance for us again i love his accent he does yeah <laughs> um he does yeah and so uh, you know, Julian's opera is premiering at Covent Garden at the theater they started out in. Uh, so this mm-hmm. is a big deal. On the same night. On the same night that she's yeah, going to be she... doing the Red Shoes. Yeah. <sighs> this whole kind of this scene sequence is. Ugh. Yeah. Um, they, that announces over the radio that Julian has fallen ill, quote unquote, and he shows up at her dressing room. Uh, mm-hmm. And she says to him, you left your first night. And he says, Yes. Why didn't you? I know. (laughs) That's so gross. I mean, it's kind of like, dude, you know, you're going to have your success no matter what. Let her have hers, man. (laughs) You know? Also, I mean, I just thought of this too. I mean, she, in reality, probably has limited time to to live out her dream. And he doesn't because... Composers can work a long time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, John Williams ballerinas. is 90 <laughs> and he's still composing. Right? <laughs> yeah. Ballerinas have a short life. Ballerinas. Short career span. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so challenging to the body. I mean, obviously these people are extraordinarily strong, but I mean, your joints, your feet, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all that can happen. You know, I see that depicted in a lot of movies very well. I think particularly Black Swan and also my yeah, recommendation yeah. We'll get there. Uh, show, show that as well. Anyway. So, so she's, yeah, I just, she's yeah I hate this scene but she but you know <laughs> it's such a good representation of what her her struggle is with these mm-hmm. but uh, uh like I was saying you can see them both of these men just like wanting to like control her and not really yeah. thinking about her yeah. as a person that's right exactly uh, and Julian just freaking ditches her when mm-hmm. she's clearly in distress and he is and he's, he's and deeply his hurt boo boo feelings are yeah. hurt right yeah. but she's clearly a little bit more hurt in this moment i mean <laughs> because yeah. oh, of, well and then and then, her, him leaving doesn't help her no no and then lermontov coming in and saying you know no one can have two yeah. lives and your life is to dance and yeah <laughs> and you know he's there's also this line it's like says he's jealous in a way you could never understand you know that it uh. that has to do is his jealousy isn't about romance it's about this desire again to have her be this great dancer 
and it's hard to just put it all into words. I think you, when you watch it, you just sort of feel everything he means in it, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. it's hard to describe it, which is why the script doesn't, you know, because <laughs> it's like, you get it. You know what this feels like. So, you know, feel it. And Lermontov is very, uh, he's, he's a lot more emotional in this scene, too, because it's like he's been waiting this whole time ever since he heard about her and Julian, he's been like waiting for this chance to win her back mm-hmm. in a way, and like, and now here, well, his here last comes Julian line. again, just just when he's got her back, you know, doing the red yeah. shoes again. Mm-hmm. The the fact that she's torn between these two is, and but the line that Lermontov says here, life is so unimportant, and from no, now on, you will dance like no one ever has before. Life is mm-hmm. so unimportant. Yeah, that maybe not the best thing to say <laughs> uh, right then. Um, uh, yeah, and you know he's he seems to feel he's been victorious in all this. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's she's broken hearted. She's devastated. She's being held by you know her customer. I think you know trying to hold her up. You know as she's walking toward mm-hmm. the stage, and then that close up on the red shoes that, and they just turn. It's like they are pulling her away. Like in the story, yeah. Pulling her away toward... If this was a conventional movie, toward Julian, and they're going to reconcile, and everything's going to be okay. And because they show her running down the stairs, like in the end of a romantic... I love romantic comedies, but I mean, come on, it's corny. It's corny, (laughs) and it's not the way things happen. But instead, she just runs and throws herself off the balcony onto the train. And it's like... Oh my I god. Could not, I could not believe that. I seriously thought she was running towards Julian. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about like uh the story or whatever. I was like thinking about like she was following the story of the red shoes. I should have known. And like, yeah, the that foreshadowing of the, the balcony, it's like such a, a little back, thing yeah. and you realize that's the same yeah, I realized that was the same balcony and I was like, Oh my god, the train is right no, what is she? Yeah, that, and the thing that, is, that you, they, they show Julian. <laughs> they show Julian, and it looks like he's like, ah, damn it, you know, he's, yeah, you know, like like he's. And then it's it like looks I like they're running have. towards each other. Yeah, and he's like, he's going to, he's he regrets what he said to her. He regrets his reaction, and he's like, you know, yeah. gonna tell her he's going to like deeply, truly, meaningfully apologize to her. I think, but it's too late. And honestly, I'm torn on the ending here because I think maybe the movie would have, if it had ended where Lermontov comes out in front of the curtain and he just shouts, you know, we present you to red shoes. (laughs) You know, just the way he's sort of, the way he's, the line delivery of that section Mm -hmm. is so incredible. Uh, And he says, "We, we present it because we believe she would have wished it and then they show the dancers and the spotlight is on this empty spot you know this where she would be to me that would that's a better ending than than i thought that was the ending yeah and then, like there's, there's this, this little after. prologue like, and the, the the you know i know it does have that line you know julian take off the red shoes which is good but I mean, it's the one thing about the movie that just kind of makes me go, I, I don't know if this is right, you know? I kind of had the same thought. Yeah. yeah I, to me, it's an otherwise thought... perfect movie. Absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I don't think the scene is even 
unimportant. I think it maybe would have done better beforehand, before that, maybe. Yes. Before the curtain moment or something. I I don't know. They had to have tried it a million ways before (laughs) setting it the way they did. Because it just feels like, you know, how what works? You know, what works the best? I don't know. I really think it should have ended with, yeah, Lermontov on, on stage after that. Yeah. He does that whole speech. That would I have think, been such a perfect little ending. I think it also he says would have everything left, there. And I think it also would have left ambiguity as to whether she actually died or is just like permanently crippled, you know, and unable right. to dance again. Because I think that... There's a, there's a little bit of that even in the final ending. And I like that ambiguity in Black Swan, too, because there's there's a, is she dead? Probably, but maybe not. You know, I mean, there's a little bit of that in both of these. And I think, obviously, however it works, she will never dance again. I mean, you know, right. Vicky will never dance again. And that moment, though, with the spotlight and the stage and the, the actors yeah. is... That's kind of perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. And I, I kind of wish the movie ended there. Uh, but, I mean, that is a small nitpick <laughs> uh, right. for, in, in, in <laughs> such a great film. I think either way it works, whether she lived or died. I think that's, yeah, that's what's important is that you kind of get the fact that she's she either jumped in front of the chain train to kill herself or to just be like, all right, I'm just going to take away, I'm going to take dance out of the equation yeah. entirely yeah. and just like break my legs or something. Yeah. You know, I think that's what's important. Like that, and that those two men see what they, they what they did to her. Done. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the key what to it. It's the, the tragedy. That's, that's really what the key. Yeah. The, the tragedy is their jealousy. It's yes. not it's not her ambition. It's their jealousy. Cuz her ambition wasn't she had the ambition but it wasn't enough to, like that she did she did go with Julian at first. She yep. did give it all up even though she wasn't happy. Ultimately. Um, yeah. I think she was at first. Ultimately. When she kind of realized that it was going to be about him and his career instead of hers. Yeah, that's when she felt mm-hmm. like I just felt a little unfulfilled and like yeah. it wasn't really fair. Well, sure. <laughs> And yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've never seen this movie, uh, do yourself a favor. (laughs) Right. You know, that's, that's all I can really say about it is you will probably be surprised by it. I was, I did not expect to like this movie when I first watched it. And, uh, it's, it's a phenomenal, incredible film. I didn't expect to like it as much you know just mm-hmm. it's another one of those with it absolutely deserves the reputation that it has yeah. so believe the hype it is really that good it, it truly truly is and more yes <laughs> okay michelle <laughs> introduce your movie okay now i'm really nervous to talk about this one for some reason i got this it's cool it's cool it's cool okay we're gonna talk about black swan now um I love this movie and it's become like a lot more important to me and I'm seeing a lot more in it and especially connecting with this one now I can see a lot more of what this movie is doing Mm -hmm. and it's just it's phenomenal for one I mean (laughs) I think I mentioned this before in that um, Professor Marston um, episode when I was like this is one of those movies that was like I don't think I'm 100% straight. <laughs> this is one of those ones that kind of made me realize that. And it's uh, Nina's story, while it's like, it's really specific to um, to ballet, you know, to what she's doing. But it's also, 
I think her story is something that a lot of people can relate to and what this movie is. Uh, there's a lot of different stuff going in into this and a lot of different ways you can you can look at um, what's happening here. They're just I think he's uh, Aronofsky just kind of used ballet as a, a backdrop for it. It could have been could have been almost anything in a way. Um, so I'm not really sure entirely how to talk about this. Like I said, there's a lot, there's a lot of different things going on here that we could talk about. We could talk about mirrors and and duality and and doppelgangers and there's uh, the the perfection of the of the art, the dedication to the arts, and there's also I think there's a, a, throwing a off. girl growing into womanhood yes. and mm-hmm. uh, like we said with the red shoes. I mean this uh, this movie opens up kind of the telling you the same thing that the red shoes does it's it's um nina's dream of her in swan lake so it's kind of letting you know that hey this story is going to feature swan lake and the ballet that we're going to be dancing here is going to be swan lake but the story we're telling is also swan lake nick nina's story is the same thing yeah Another thing that I think this movie touches on a lot is sort of this extreme body consciousness. <laughs> and, oh, and I see yes. that right at the beginning with the breakfast. And uh, the reason why I bring this up is because, and there's a dual meaning, obviously, with the grapefruit too. But there's there's <laughs> this story that my friend told me. Okay, so his wife, when they first met, um, she was a ballet dancer and she said the scene that really got to her was, you know, there she's delivered this grapefruit and this, I don't know, it's a little piece of an egg on the side or something. And she's just like, oh, it's so beautiful and everything. It's like just this idea that you need to, in your mind, tell yourself that this is all you need to eat. <laughs> you know, she said mm-hmm. that this it was just like this lifestyle of starving yourself and just giving yourself the bare minimum to keep this sort of ideal shape, this long, lean, you know, ultra thin shape. Obviously, I think there's another meaning because she comments on how pink the grapefruit is. Uh, So I think that I know there's 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 a it's talking about a vagina. Uh, anyway, <laughs> talking about vagina. Yeah. Yes, uh, so, if you don't get it. Yeah. Yes. So, um, <laughs> so there's that there too. But I think right from the very beginning, just the sense of there's a body, the lifestyle, dysphoria yeah. to this whole movie too. This what's happening to her body. Yeah, a lot of what's going on in this movie, it's very body focused. It's body and horror in a way. It's, it's a bo- werewolf it's definitely body movie horror. In a way. <laughs> you know, it's I. I I, what okay so the first time i saw this if i if i might say first time i saw this i didn't okay. i didn't like it i didn't get it i didn't understand what was going on then i watched it again and went oh i get it it's like a werewolf story she's turning into a were duck you know <laughs> and then it's just like a it's a horror movie i get it this totally opened it up well, for yeah. me and i was like that totally changed my perspective on it i was like oh i get it and so that that was, I mean, sort of a shallow way to look at it. But uh, werewolf stories are about puberty and growing into adulthood yeah, and all of those kinds of things. And I think getting into it in that, I mean, I'm a straight man. So, I mean, there's <laughs> there's only so much that I can really relate to in, in how she comes into her womanhood. But I think that there is still, I can understand, you know, that, you know, the pain of transformation. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that is 
a deep and universal theme that no matter how you experience life and, you know, any kind of sexual awakening, because everyone has one. Well, maybe not everyone, but most people have one, you know, of some Mm -hmm. of some form, right? Where you come into an awareness of that. So, I mean, there's lots that can be gleaned from this and and, uh, connected with no matter who you are, I think. And I I think that's really and there's so much going on. I just wrote down all these ideas that are going on in this movie. I mean, that's that's really the main thing that I connect with it uh, on that level now more than I did before is the whole sexual awakening thing mm-hmm. because honestly I'm having mine right now okay yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, been a long time coming for me but you know being dealing with things in, in my past and being ma- making myself aware of things about myself, you know, coming out as as bisexual and all that stuff has has definitely helped me have a, my sexual awakening, like really, really late in life. Yeah, but you know, it happens at a different pace for everybody. You just have to certain things have to align for it to happen the way that it should, mm-hmm. and and that's a, that's a lot of what I see uh, going on with. Nina mm-hmm. in this movie and that's that's what I connect with the most yeah. even though there is also that thing about uh, being perfect I think yeah. that has to do with her sexual awakening too it's like it's her becoming it's not just a perfection of the the ballet that she's seeking it's a perfection within herself an acceptance of herself mm-hmm. and like you were talking about with the body horror thing um, uh, I have this whole I have like a whole list of notes um, for this movie like we talked about a little bit in, in the red shoes about how demanding um, ballet was but like I have a whole list of just little examples throughout this movie of what I call ballerina body hell yeah I mean it kind of starts out right at the beginning I mean when she wakes up and she's like cracking her feet mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. the minute she wakes up it's all about ballet and thinking about like getting her body ready for what she's for what she's about to do for the day you know yeah and then practicing in front of the mirror and then having the breakfast like yay I'm so excited to eat a grapefruit right. for breakfast yeah. like you're yeah. talking about yeah she's psyching <laughs> herself up to love it and and i think you know it's so telling later when lily says i'm gonna have a cheeseburger you know there's also i I think uh, another thing uh that's put into this is ageism you know where they're they start talking about winona Ryder's character yep uh pretty early on here beth and they say um uh, she's talking about how she's nearing menopause and you know she's what in her late 30s Thirties, probably, yeah, yeah, maybe early forties at most. And they said, "Well, Fon- Fontaine <laughs> danced well into her fifties, you know." Um, and the way she's whoever that is, yeah, Some she's mentioned in, a, in another movie that I watched. Uh, okay, that I'll give as my recommendation, actually. So she was like a real, very well respected, famous dancer. But well, and it's the same with her mom too. Yeah, Nina's mom. Yeah, who uh, got pregnant with her, and mm-hmm. her career was over pretty much. Yeah. And there's a lot of okay. I don't like I said. I don't really know how to talk about this movie because there's a lot to that we could different avenues you could talk about here. For one thing, I think you notice in the beginning too is Nina's um, her transformation into a woman is kind of set up at the beginning. Like if you look at her room, mm-hmm. it's very childish. It's a little girl's room. Yeah. It's full of. It's pink and flowers and stuffed animals, and she's got that little um, ballerina jewelry box yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, plays Swan Lake, yeah. and it, it, you can just tell from this that she's she's very stunted. Mm-hmm. She's like stuck in this childlike 
uh, stage and yeah. she's very naive and innocent and i think that can either that can come from two different places uh, that can either come from her dedication to ballet because that's usually something that girls get into when they're like young, yeah. young, like probably like six or so, right? Yeah. Isn't that when most of them start? So it it they much they learn very early on that it's got to be a lifestyle, and if it's if that's your lifestyle for your entire life, like yeah, you're not going to have any other like outside experiences. You're if that's pretty much all you're focused on you know you're not going to have all those other experiences that other normal not normal but you know what i mean like people that don't or not in that lifestyle are are going to have or that could also come from her her mother's influence her mother's control of her life to live out the kind of life that she didn't get to have her mother so wants her to be her little girl you know, forever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think out of her need to please people, Nina has uh, sort of agreed, tacitly agreed to do that, you know, as she has allowed herself to, and you know, like when all the, even other people in the company, they're kind of bad mouthing uh, Beth and, and she's saying, but she's such a beautiful dancer. It'll be so sad when she retires. And, and the other girls are thinking, Hey, one more empty slot that I can find my way exactly. into, you know, yeah. someone to trip down the stairs, you know, <laughs> again, I don't know. Right. I don't know why showgirls keeps on coming into my mind for this, but I mean that, that element, <laughs> but there is this real, it's the jealousy yeah, of the dancers. Yeah. It's yeah. this competition. And this movie is so filled with that competition. It's so harsh in this movie where uh, mm-hmm. it's, there's, it's a, focus it's a it's a key element they they put on a face for each other they'll sort of pretend to be nice for each other but then they'll congratulate yeah. nina but also just be like you I bitch you. congratulations exactly. yeah <laughs> and I, I think it's pretty honest in in a lot of ways because i mean there's there is that resentment of feeling i think going on in in all of these cases because if you're gonna do something as ballet if you're gonna like destroy your body like you do with ballet do you want to just be somebody in the background or do you want to be the swan queen yep and have everybody notice you and know your name and actually have it mean something sure of course there's going to be that kind of competition but not everybody is like that i don't think lily is like that and you also kind of get uh, this sets up so many great things at the beginning. It sets up the whole thing with mirrors yeah. and and mm-hmm. duality that's going on here, especially mm-hmm. um, when um, she's practicing. Obviously, there she's stretching in front of the mirror that's in the living room. And then when she sees, she's I think she's seeing Lily on the train yeah. there when she's going to the company, but she's picturing that she thinks it's herself she's seeing a version of herself in a way and she sees herself in the reflection Mm -hmm. of of the subway and i like how this movie too also it's very it's very real when it comes to ballet but it's also like uh there's a lot of like cool things that you might not know about it like i love the scene for some reason it's really simple little thing where she's customizing her point shoes yeah i love that part I love it. I love that part for some reason because yeah. I've I've watched like a whole mm-hmm. YouTube video of an actual like ballerina like talking about that and it's like yeah that's what you do like you have these point shoes that really only last for uh, I think twenty four hours is the longest that that you can wear these things right <laughs> like twenty four hours of actually like using them so like an hour practice you know might they might last like a month or so I yeah. think but they really do have to go through and she like 
she breaks them and she like moves you have to move the strap it has, i mean it has to mold to your foot yeah. and to like what kind of dancing you're doing and um i just i like those kind of little things yeah. that they add in there so it, it yeah those are some of my favorite really elements cool. of this honestly really great stuff and you know the introduction of toma you know as the director mm-hmm. he's he's an asshole he's a <laughs> you know he's very there's a certain element where you see something like Lermontov in him, but taken mm-hmm. further because he also, he, you know, it, it's made pretty clear that he, if you want a good part, you got to suck his dick or, or so to speak. He's, a he's one, of the, of, predator, one of these sure. kinds of guys. He's a predator. He's that sort of character. You know, he like forces his kiss, a kiss on her and she bites him, I think. Uh, is mm. is um you know I, but that's also what gets her the part is the fact that she bites him you know because I sure. I saw I saw a bit of the black swan in you there you know I mean I I use it's, I use the line about fellatio because that's something that Beth says later or one right of them, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's a little weird right at the beginning too I mean you kind of get that also like in this first practice that we see of them that Nina's a very dedicated and good dancer yeah. like she's just not uh, even like the little they, I don't know what they call her uh, the ballet mistress yeah. she says like you know perfect is always Nina and then she tells her relax right that's like nina's thing like the whole movie yeah. that she's perfect is what she does she just has to let go and relax yeah she oh, she hasn't let the music into her soul she knows the steps perfectly (laughs) but she doesn't yeah perfection that's not what it's all about that's not all that perfection is about and i think that's another key Mm -hmm. element is that perfection includes imperfection to be truly great uh Mm -hmm. which is a very nuanced and difficult concept to grasp if you're a child right which she pretty much is and so right? this 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 movie is the process of trying to in a sense understand that fact <laughs> you know that mm-hmm. that perfection true perfection includes imperfection to make it great yeah anyway so that's one of my thoughts with it at least but you know and then also at the beginning you have you have tomas said you know saying you know the we're doing Swan Lake. It's done, been done to death. Mm-hmm. Here's the story of it. You all know it. And he's telling the story of the whole movie. You know, this is the movie that you're right. going to watch. And again, right out of the red shoes. Uh, and there's even a shot that's right out of the red shoes in this where they do a close up on her face while she's spinning in one of the early scenes. Uh-huh. And it just keeps coming back to that close lock of her face. At the audition. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, and even tells her, you know, you would be the, if I was only casting the white swan, you would get it. No question about it. Yep. Because the white swan is an innocent character. It's a childlike character, but he's casting for both. He's casting for both the black swan and the white swan. And that's kind of the whole point. It's like, you need to become the black swan if you are going to be cast in this role. Because the black swan in the story is the white swan is Odette and the black swan is Odile. Isn't it right? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yes. Okay, I wrote that okay. down just to make sure. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's what's going on throughout this whole movie is that there's, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that at the beginning and throughout most of the movie, Nina is the white swan and Lily, this new 
hat dancer that's coming into the company um mila kunis um is the is the black swan yep and she's so it's also kind of like she if he was only casting the black swan lily would definitely get it that's i think the the, yes. the point that he's trying to make but she she could she play the white swan though uh, i don't think so yeah. <laughs> but another thing that the movie is doing i mean so it's telling it's telling that story but i mean the the white swan black swan thing also kind of just plays into again nina's awakening and growing up like mm-hmm. the black swan is a little bit you now feistier and more sexual and more comfortable with herself and yeah. that's who she keeps imagining that's who she keeps seeing like throughout yeah. the the movie she first sees her on the subway yeah. and something that i am a freaking idiot that i never <laughs> noticed before i think maybe i did subconsciously but just kind of like looking at it more closely this time like it's pretty obvious that lily is usually always wearing black or dark colors Nina is usually wearing white. white she or even has like pink. this scarf that looks like feathers, white feathers. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, She's always wearing white or pink or light gray or like mm-hmm. pastels kind of mm-hmm. stuff going on. So she's up very obviously the white swan. In that scene um, with the, her, like, uh, I guess, coming out uh, party where he announces where Tomah is announcing her as the the new ballerina. Mm -hmm. She's wearing a white dress. Lily is wearing a black dress, you know, and it's not until Lily kind of forces her to, you know, everyone's telling her to relax, to loosen up, to let go. Tomah is telling her that, and Lily is telling her that. It's not until she finally actually starts to do that, that you see her, she starts wearing black. She starts Mm -hmm. wearing like darker colors later on in the movie. So (laughs) I don't know why I never got that, but whatever. Well, I mean, she, early on she passes or her doppelganger you know who is wearing black on the sidewalk yeah Yeah. on the sidewalk there it's sort of a sort of like one of those if there was construction going on so there's like yeah cover over the top it's yeah there those are always in new york yeah i was in new york they always they always had that (laughs) in seattle that was the case recently it has been the case for the past several years too actually (laughs) so but once she's cast in the role and she goes home to tell her mom and the way she says, he picked me, mommy, is just exactly. like, it's disturbing. It's weird. It's, I find it that is. weird and I find it disturbing, honestly. I mean, it's just because of the way that she's presented. I mean, yeah. when she uh, she has the, the audition, they kind of spring this uh, audition on them. How do they know like all of the moves? To this, I mean, do you just, as a ballerina, do you just know all the moves to like every ballet uh, or something? I don't know. But they have an audition for it. And that's where he tells her, you know, if I was just casting the white swan, it would be yours. But mm-hmm. um, you have to do the black swan too. And yeah, like I love this. This is the scene where she's doing Odile's coda in, in the ballet. And that's when Lily interrupts and interrupts her audition by by coming in and uh, yeah i love the camera work in that when mm-hmm. he's like attack it attack it <laughs> and lily's interrupting her um but again i think she's saying a little bit of herself she's uh and she's maybe also attracted to that we don't know what nina's she doesn't even know what her sexuality is in this movie like she talks about right. having had boyfriends before but nothing um, serious. but that's obvious I mean, yeah, that's obviously not something that's going on in her life right now. She probably doesn't have time for that. Mm-hmm. And Lily is Mila Kunis, so she's very attractive <laughs> to pretty much everybody. Sorry if I'm getting going to get a little gross, but this movie <laughs> is very hot to me in that sense. Uh, you agree? Don't I do? Don't give me that. <laughs> oh, I was nodding. I, I you can't you can't hear a nod on the mic. I know, but. 
I think she, yeah, I think she's attracted to her uh, just the way she is because Lily's character very much is the the black swan and that she's she's supposed to i think in the i don't know the ballet obviously that well except for what we hear in this but it's like it's just her evil it says it's her evil twin or whatever but it kind of just seems more like the bad girl is it what you could really see her as Mm -hmm. like that's what lily is lily is the bad girl you know she's you know she's that scene where she's like smoking inside like i'm not gonna tell anybody if you don't and there's even a part where is it after the audition oh i don't know there's a part where uh, nina and toma are watching lily practice and she's got her hair down Mm -hmm. which to me is seems like it's a very big like ballerina no-no like you always have have, mm-hmm. have your hair out of your face in a bun yeah. so that just kind of shows that she's more of a, a free spirit sure. in a way and then he's talking about how her moves are imprecise but effortless mm-hmm. when you would think as a ballerina like it has to be that's what nina thinks at least yeah. that everything has to be perfect you have to do the moves perfectly and that's the only thing that really matters and it's that's not really what right. matters it's right. also about feeling the character and feeling the music mm-hmm. and uh, feeling the dance more than just wanting to get the moves right and yeah like you said she has a she's has a cheeseburger when they go out to dinner yeah. you know like not sticking to the ballerina diet so yeah lily's very much presented as the person that nina wants to be and i love too that even though there is all this other like jealousy going on with the other ballerinas like veronica especially is the the, the head bitch right. <laughs> at this company it seems like um lily is never really like that no she's not she's always very supportive of nina and always very genuinely i think excited you know that she got the role and is like except so in excited nina's for her mind yes <laughs> in nina's mind she's just as yeah. much of a competition as anyone else yeah so um but i think that is her illusion I don't think that is the reality. I think the yeah. reality is when we see Lily being supportive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So she's just a cool chick who's she doesn't take ballet too seriously, but mm-hmm. she has fun with it and she likes everybody and she's yep. you know she's just somebody that you'd want to be friends she's with. She's pretty chill. Yeah. <laughs> she is pretty chill. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's there's uh, and we we start to we start seeing the fantasy. We start seeing the, the sort of, you know, how much reality is she holding on to at this point? I mean, you get hints of it. Uh, you know, she comes home and she sees her mother is only does drawings of her and paintings of, of Nina, which is, sure. which is really weird. <laughs> and you see the eyes move. <laughs> you see the eyes move on one of them. We'll get to that. There's a whole thing though. Yeah. We definitely need to talk about there. Yeah. And then, you know, you see, she finds the rash on her back and, um, well, going back to when um when she actually gets the part right. or when she goes to Tama to ask for the part right she's seen before beth kind of freaking out in her dressing room and she goes in there and she steals that little thing of lipstick right mm-hmm. that she mm-hmm. uses to pretty much seduce Tama into giving her the the part of the swan queen um that's a really gross scene yeah just because i mean she's a grown-up but from what we've seen of her like she's so innocent that it just feels that feels so wrong that whole the whole thing i mean you in a way you kind of get what he's trying to do yeah yeah Um, it's it's like is he is he actually doing this or is it or is it he just trying to get her to bite back i think it's both you know i think it's both you know i think he's he's pretty gross he seems like somebody who's just gonna want to sleep with all the girls yeah. <laughs> that dance for him but i think it 
it feels wrong to say this, but I also kind of get like what he's again, what he's trying to bring out in her, what needs to happen. She's like, she's an adult. You know, like Something like this probably needs to happen. She can't stay in this like childlike under the thumb of her mom, like her whole life. Mm-hmm. She, this is something that she's got to realize about herself eventually. I mean, yeah. I don't think she should, needs to be forced into it. Um, but I do see that that is what he's, he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Like, even the, as gross as his approach is, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do, I do. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, a little more of that fantasy comes in, like when she goes into the bathroom to tell her mom, yeah, the whole, he picked me mommy, like an adult mm-hmm. calling your parent mommy or daddy is always a little not right. And then she sees the word horror right. um, on mm-hmm. the mirror, which she obviously wrote. Mm-hmm. With the lipstick, yeah. Mm-hmm. With the lipstick that she used to seduce him to get the role. So she's kind of feeling the the guilt of that. But I mean, that's when you kind of, yeah, I mean, it starts earlier than that too, but, and that's when you're trying to figure out what is real. What is she, what is she saying? What is she actually doing that she doesn't realize that she's doing? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that going on in this movie, but I think it's, it's pretty obvious that she wrote that because yeah. that's how she was feeling inside. And then her going home to her mom and her mom has the, the cake for her. For one thing, I mean, that's a she brings she, her home she a big sheet cake. What, she knows what the how she knows what she's doing. Beyond, yeah, she knows what mm-hmm. she's doing. It's mm-hmm. a giant sheet cake for two people, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And one of them's a ballerina, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one's a former ballerina. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So I don't. Okay, there is a theory. I don't know if I want to bring this up now, but what do you think is going on with Nina and her mom? Do you have any other? ideas on that um i don't i don't know what 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 do you got in mind what what do you what because you're you're there, you've got something here i know i just i feel weird about this too because there is a theory i think that some people have about this that there's there are hints that um her mom is abusing her yeah and that's maybe another reason why she's a little bit stunted and mm-hmm. um so under her control i mean there's uh, it's not. It's um, a power it's thing. Really There's thing. definitely a power dynamic going on, um, where she's trying to lord over her. It's like, okay, fine. If you don't want to mm-hmm. eat it, then then I'm just gonna throw it away. And she's like, no, no, mommy, don't do that. I mean, I mean, it's nice. I'll have a little, you know. Right. But then there's also like just weird little hints of of maybe something mm-hmm. gross going on underneath sure. when you know she, the icing you know she has her yeah you know, like the icing off of her finger. Right. There's also a shot. Um, I mean, just right at the beginning, like as soon as Nina wakes up, her mom is there. You know. Yep. In mm-hmm. the morning to wake her up, mm-hmm. and there's also, I mean, she gets that piece of wood to uh, yeah. to put uh, behind door. her door yeah. to keep her mom out, and um, the way that she's always helping her undress and like always wanting her around, the way that she only paints or draws pictures of Nina. Uh, there's a lot of there's like a strange obsession going on with her that could. I think there is a way that you can read it as something a little more sinister, or you could just read it as her having this, this weird control over, yeah, her wanting to do what she's not able to do anymore. Yeah, she's this insane. She's an insane level stage mother character, mm-hmm. is what I. The way she's always saying, like, you know, my sweet girl, and mm-hmm. like touching her. But I mean, you can also see what's going on with Nina psychologically. 
I mean, her mom's control over her could be because she sees that in Nina, that she's on the verge of cracking like that, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, there's the thing about how she used to, um, they, they don't really say it specifically, but I think it's, it's something like, um, like body picking. She mm-hmm. swing like you used to scratch yourself yeah. mm-hmm. when she sees the, the thing on her back. Right. So she's had problems like that in the past. And I think that comes from, you know, like I said, there's a lot of like body focused horror going on yep. in this. Yep. I think that's actually the name of the condition. It's um yeah, body focused repetitive behaviors. That's yep. like skin picking yep. and nail biting and stuff like that. That's uh, probably something that develops, you know, because of the the huge control that you have to have over your body yep. and like the the way that like you know with <laughs> ballet everything is about about your body, how it looks and and how how, how it moves. moves. You have to mm-hmm. make it has to, has to do certain things. So you have to take care of it. So she's obviously had um, problems like that in the past. And maybe this is her like, that's why she her mom has such control over her because she's seen her heading to that breaking point that she gets to in this movie. And she's trying to protect her from that. You see that too. Yeah, yeah. You see her like trying to hide it from other people. She's like, well, when she cuts her nails, you know, and saying like, well, where are the shrugs that'll, that'll, that'll hide, that'll hide what you're doing to yourself. And oh, she's so, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could look into that relationship too. Then they, they all are pretty valid to me. And you know, from, I guess from a thematic start, because, okay, I think it's pretty clear that where the goose flesh and the scratches on her back is like she's developing wings and her mm-hmm, sure. her mother is, in essence, clipping her wings, you know, stopping her oh. from from flowering into her potential. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's good, too. That's that's, I guess, what I saw, you know, sort of underlying a lot of that yeah and there's a lot of fingernail stuff in this and oh man it's that fingernail stuff it's just the <laughs> worst uh, that's it's so gross to me i i have so much the, i can't i can't look at it. i can't look at it i just i mean the toenail the toenail is pretty gross but the fingernail when she actually like pulls uh, the skin off and stuff it's just like right Ugh. i mean that is the worst to me i mean it's in the fly too when or, when, it, when he pulls his fingernails off even when her mom is using those manicure scissors to cut her nails yeah. i was like yeah Duh, don't do that <laughs> and yeah, she actually it, does like hurt her a little bit with it i was like i can just picture yeah and i can take a lot of gore and gross but i mean that's what it is it's that specific stuff that really gets to people <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The stuff that's relatable. You know, the coming out party thing yeah. or the the afterwards when, you know, we need to talk about sex. It's like, do we? <laughs> you know, I mean, when, <laughs> we, we, we need to be able to talk about this kind of stuff. I'm like, really? Do you? You know, it seems so unprofessional to me. Oh, God. I think, there's, I think there's an Absolutely element of this. Unprofessional. I think there's. Yeah, yeah. I think there's an element to this where it's like um, just directors, you know, I think there's a filmmaking commentary going on a little bit too. Not necessarily Aronofsky personally, though, maybe, uh, you know, just kind of being, but you hear these stories about directors who put their actors through, you know, these psychological things to try and get a better performance out of them. And, you know, you hear that about Kubrick and, you know, I read something about, Sure. You know what he put Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman through on Eyes Wide Shut. You just kind of go, was that really necessary? I don't know. I, I I just think I just think it's sort of like, I mean, obviously when we're dealing with elements of what 
uh, Nina needs to deal with and hasn't, it's important, but at the same time, you're just like, ew, 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 ew. Right. You know, uh, to me, uh, just he asks her if she's a virgin and she says, no, I think she's lying. You know, I think I, she's lying. But I mean, it's like. Oh, I mean, he also says, well, yeah, when she says uh, that, it's like, there's nothing to be embarrassed about, dude. There's nothing to be embarrassed about being a virgin either. So shut the fuck up. Yeah, that's right. Doesn't matter when that happens. Yeah. They, uh, right. Exactly. She keeps getting confronted with all of this sexuality stuff at the same time, too, with Lily. Like, just in a more, like, Lily's just more open about herself like when they have that little moment in the bathroom mm-hmm. together and Lily's like taking off her panties and putting them in her purse right <laughs> like right. that's she's... obviously that's something that like shocks her and like she's oh okay this girl is definitely not me at all <laughs> like she's right. way more comfortable with herself in that way and mm-hmm. she wants to get there and him like is a little bit too much though that's not that's not right <laughs> right <laughs> yeah there's also this, uh, there's some scene. Oh, of course. So this is a pretty important one. Um, Beth, you know, after this party, mm-hmm. uh, decides that she's going to. She's drunk. <laughs> she's, she's, bang. <laughs> she's, she's going to pull a Vicky and, uh, <laughs> instead of jumping in front right. of a train, she steps out into traffic. But, well, I mean, you can see in that party scene too when, um, I mean, it's, it's the same kind of the same thing with, Irina and Vicky, it's yeah. like, well, he's lost Beth because she's aged out. Yep. Honestly, like as gross as that is again, yeah. She's pretty much aged out of ballet and um he calls her his little princess, which you know, Nina and Lily talk about. Like that's neat again, with being a little bit naive, like Nina sees it as something like something sweet. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's actually kind of gross for (laughs) it's a again with the power dynamic it's not really a cool thing and Mm -hmm. you see beth um you can see that i mean that anger that her dream is over that her thing is gone and that party scene and then when she confronts her (laughs) afterwards um she has that moment Nina does with that weird statue in the building. I'm not yes. really sure what that is, but it definitely looks like a, it looks like a bird or a yeah. swan or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's seeing something in that. I don't know. And then uh, when Beth, yeah, confronts her, this is what you were talking about. Is um, is when um, again she's showing a little hint of the, like the black swan is within her mm-hmm. is coming out when. Beth um, asked, like, how did you get this part? What did you, she always, he always said you were such a frigid little girl. Did you suck his cock? And immediately right. Nina's like, well, not all of us have to. <laughs> I was like, okay, Nina, damn. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she's, she's got, she's got something in her. <laughs> yeah. But should they really be fighting for the approval of this one gross guy or, Right. That's the shitty thing about this whole world, I would say. It was like every all these girls want the same thing and they can't all have the they can't all be at the top at the same time. You know, there can only be one all the time. That's where the the jealousy and the infighting comes from. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's what sucks about it. There's this little scene that feels very real world uh, to me. And that is when she's I don't know if it's like the company like sports doctor chiropractor mm-hmm. is just that's more of the yeah just ballerina body hell stuff yeah, yeah. just just <laughs> talking about you know you need to do this and that you know you really need to you know it, it's just how hard this just that constant reminder of how difficult and challenging this is uh and how 
you know, age, and I think, you know, age becomes a factor because of it, of course. Sure. Because, you know, as we get older, our joints and muscles don't have the same <laughs> power as they once did, flexibility. And this just sort of accelerates that, it seems. And I mean, it's the same thing with young people who do gymnastics. Yep. Mm-hmm. That is the same kind of like grueling, demanding yep. uh, on your body. Like, you know, girls don't get their period anymore. They don't develop as much as, you know, girls that, that don't do that. And I think you can see it in even like little shots. I always kind of notice like there's one at the beginning where it's just the whole company is and they're practicing and you can see one of the the extras who's I think obviously a real dancer. You can see the way her foot mm-hmm. when she points the the way the, how much she can point her foot and yeah. like pretty much like looks like she's breaking her foot in half. Right. <laughs> like the way that they can do that is just insane to me (laughs) i know and natalie portman does a lot of she does a lot of stuff in this for obviously for the close-ups but there is a real uh, ballerina that performs like when it's the like when she you see her full body like doing actual like real ballet moves they replaced her uh, her face with natalie portman's especially for like at the end Mm -hmm. when i I do love that scene when she's practice when she breaks her toenail she's practicing the the it's called um, Odile's Coda. It's like one of the, as I read from Google, it's like one of the hardest things to do in ballet because it's the, um, when you, you're standing, it's called, it's the fouettes, I think they're called. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> you have to do 32 of those. So you stand on one leg and then your other leg whips around to turn you around 32 times. Oh, wow. Yeah. If you do the whole thing, like that's that's how many times that she has to do this. And I mean, that's another part of her perfection, too, because she that's when she um, in the middle of doing that, she only does it like maybe six times or whatever before she like her toenail like splits in half, which is super gross. And she tells her mom that. Yeah, you know, before she goes to ask for part, she's like, I'm going to go tell him that I finished it. And she obviously didn't. You know, her mom says, you know, you don't have to lie that you didn't do it. But I mean, sh- that's what she's willing to do anything. She's willing to like put her body through this to be this perfect to mm-hmm. do what needs. Uh, I just I don't understand having like if it was something that hard, like, I don't know how like you can have that much dedication to it when it's like it's such such, wreak such havoc on your body mm-hmm. like you, you've gotta you've gotta love something a lot to be able to go through this oh certainly it just it just amazes me whenever i watch this it just, that just that part of it just kind of amazes me like the whole life of a ballerina thing mm-hmm. yeah definitely there's there's lots going on here so yeah so he tells her in that scene when he's you know um talking about like we have to be able to talk about sex you know he gives her a homework assignment to go home and touch herself right <laughs> i think this is um I mean, this is part of it, too. Like, she does, she tries um, several times, and she keeps getting interrupted. Like, this is one of the most real scenes in the movie. (laughs) Or when her mom, her mom helps her get undressed or whatever out of her, her party dress. And then, like, it's the next morning when... She actually does try. She starts yeah. masturbating and she she gets into it. And she sees her mom <laughs> um, in the room. And yeah. then, boom, her mom is sitting there. Yeah. I've never had a moment like that <laughs> exactly. No. But, you know, <laughs> but that's just like such a real scene. And uh, she just kind of like hides under the covers sure. again, like a little kid. Yeah. And it's, that's just something uh, that just keeps happening throughout the movie. Like that's when that's part of her transformation into mm-hmm. the the black swan is part of it's part of that like when she finally has that 
release, yeah. so to speak, is when she can fully become the Black Swan. Right, right. Uh, well, after... I think after she tries the first time, she's like wearing gray at rehearsal the next mm-hmm. the next day. I mean, it's still kind of a lightish gray, but I mean, it's sort of the beginnings of the change. Uh, and then Lily, uh, she, she says, uh, or Nina says something about how she's going to, I can't remember exactly what she says, and but Lily says, oh, someone's hot for teacher, uh, right. which is just kind of, and she's like, no, I'm not. She, it's almost like this complete unawareness that she does have this, I guess, inappropriate attach, attraction to this guy, uh, even if he is <laughs> an asshole. Um, but yeah. well, and and that he uh, probably has that kind of reputation. Yeah, you know, her mom says that too. He does have a reputation. Later on, yeah. mm-hmm. her mom asked Nina if he's tried, if he's anything. tried anything with her yet, and um, I think the scene that right before what you were talking about like the reason that she gets so upset and that lily comes and talks to her it's like in in front of all these people like he asks uh her dance partner is like honestly like would you fuck that girl right and, like just completely embarrassing her um in that way and then when he tells everyone else to leave and he wants to stay oh, and rehearse right, right 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 with her as someone's leaving he says have fun you two right like like he knows like what this guy's reputation is and then another gross scene here when uh, again like i yeah uh, like i get what he's trying to do but it's very very wrong yeah he's he's grabbing her breasts and and her her uh nether regions and uh you know he's and he's like i was seducing you and he just walks away it's just like or he says uh, like that's me seducing you like now that's what you need to do to us like you need to be able to tap into that side of yourself to seduce the audience and fully Mm -hmm. embrace this rule that's what he's doing but that's also again like (laughs) their whole relationship the way he he kisses her and like tells her to open her mouth and uh, and i mean she does and i think there's a part of her that wants to i don't know if it really him specifically but maybe somebody like she Mm -hmm. needs help um to be taught in those ways i think lily is probably a better teacher than sure than this guy (laughs) but there's also there's this sense i think I think there's a sense that this movie is about method acting and I guess method directing <laughs> to, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah, like, y- you know, you need to, you, you can't just act this. You have to be this, right? you know, right. and it's called acting, my dear boy, you know, uh, that, <laughs> uh, but just the, the way that he goes about getting her to this point is pretty revolting but like you said with lily just their night on the town it's sort of like mm-hmm. that does so much more it does than anything that he's done whereas what he's doing is abusive you know mm-hmm. what lily does is actually like show her hey you know you could be this too you don't have to yeah yeah he she doesn't try to she doesn't like demand it out of her i mean she does say like a couple of times like you need to loosen up you need to relax but she's doing it in a way where it's like oh man like i see this in you like if you just let it out like you can you can be this person you know that you can be like me pretty much is what she's trying to get her to be but she's not she's a lot more approachable about it than than to ma lily has her moment too because she's going to slip the ecstasy into her drink she knows but no 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 no, 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 no. but before that (laughs) nina sees it happen but lily wasn't gonna tell her yeah i know (laughs) okay 
I know, I know. I yeah. thought about that too. Yeah. I was like, well, that's not really cool. Yeah. But I mean, you do have that moment where when she asks, you know, it's just a few hours, just a few like hours. letting her know that she, she knows, letting her know that she knows yep. that it's there. Yep. But I mean, before this too, I mean, she before Lily comes over, she has another moment where yeah, again yeah. she's in the bathtub. Yeah. Well, in the bathtub, oh, right, 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 right. She's yeah. mm-hmm. she tries to masturbate again, and yeah. she gets interrupted by this um, the hallucination of uh, the blood dripping mm-hmm. um, on the mirror, and then she sees herself, or like I think the black swan version of herself um, in the mirror, and that's when she kind of um, uh, rips, rips at her, her finger. Yeah. That, yeah. that part, yeah, that's and, mm. and the party too, and she rips off that little piece of skin oh, at the party. Gosh, <laughs> oh, I that's hate that so gross. So much. Anyway, I hate that. <laughs> I think Lily just not judging her when she she does act a little bit childlike around her and like mm-hmm. a little bit skittish and naive and not sure but lily accepts that in her like that okay that's just the way she is and maybe i can just being by being myself maybe i can help her relax just showing her a a different life outside of you know i'll show her you can be a ballerina and not be so dedicated you know Mm -hmm. like like she is and just kind of showing her how to have fun like hey look i'm gonna have a burger and Mm -hmm. (laughs) i like the little moment with the waiter too yeah (laughs) he says uh you have enough cheese <laughs> no but you do <laughs> and she calls Tomai out in that scene too she's like he's a creep mm-hmm. don't have the most admiration for this guy but yeah he she gives her a little black tank top yeah. uh again like your slow transformation mm-hmm. into the, the black swan you know to help her spruce up a little bit which nina at first she puts it on in the bathroom and then she puts her gray you know sweatshirt on over top of it because yeah. she's not quite ready yet um but when the uh the ecstasy kicks in <laughs> yeah but she's like let's do this thing yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's like, okay, I'm ready. Let's let's try this out. But it could be the drugs, and it's still like her hallucinations going on too. When yeah. she sees uh, little visions of herself, like in the black swan makeup, right on the dance floor. Such a hot scene, the two of them dancing together too. I wish I could see more of it, but it's too stroby. Well, you get to see in the next <laughs> scene. You get to see a little bit more. So, th- well, and the- go ahead. Again, her her something in her is still not maybe not quite ready. Is when um, Lily, her and Lily, are in the cab. Yeah, and Lily kind of starts touching her, and then she she pulls her hand away. Yeah. Um. Okay. So she's still. I mean, honestly, what's going on is like she still hasn't had an orgasm yet. Is basically what's happening, right. and like that's the point that she needs to get to. Yeah. Now I love the scene when she comes home. Yeah, because her 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 mom's reaction and everything and. How she just sort of takes control of everything. And I love the way that this is played out because essentially what I think is going on here is I think Nina com- Nina comes home alone. I think so too. Yeah, I Absolutely. don't know if there was even a scene in the cab. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Because Lily says, "Well, I went, home, she went home, home with, with the Tom, other guy with Tom." Yeah, that's true. I'm not sure for sure if that's even real, but yeah, I love the way that that plays out. Again, so many, you know, mirror shots and stuff in this movie. I love the way, like, there's, you can see Lily's and Nina's images in the mirror are kind mm-hmm. of, like, merged together for yeah. a second before Lily steps away. And, I mean, there's obvious hints that she's not really there, especially when um, her tattoos. her mom asks where, yeah. well, well her mom asks where she's been and Nina says, you know, to the moon and back and mm-hmm. uh, Lily's 
says you see her mouthing the same words so i think that's kind of a an indication that she's not actually there but i mean her standing up to her mom is, is a big deal and uh, uh, i love the way that she just like grabs lily's hand and like drags her into her room and saying what she needs to say to her mom you know it's called privacy i'm not 12 anymore like stay out of my room yeah <laughs> and then comes the best scene of the whole movie which is technically a sex scene, but it's actually just a masturbating scene because yeah. Lily's not actually there. Yeah, I mean, it, and there are hints to that. I mean, like her tattoo moving and reforming, mm. and you know, she has. So Lily has the black swan wings on her back, uh, <laughs> tattooed yeah. on her back. You see, like the the goose flesh uh, yeah. come mm-hmm. up a little bit, like as she's. You know, it's really well. It's getting it's more into the ecstasy. Subtle, it. It's subtle and, you know, kind of she's becoming something else, you know. She's uh, mm-hmm. tapping into this all. I love the way, like, she's, like, completely shut her mom out and the way that she just, Nina just turns and Mila is standing in there looking so sexy, just mm-hmm. standing there, like, waiting for her. And the way that she just, like, marches right over to her and, like, plants one on her, that's, like, absolutely perfect and it's just kind of perfect uh for her character too finally her taking control of her sexuality and giving into it finally yep. is what she needs to do and again i mean just kind of letting kind of letting this play out this is actually pretty explicit <laughs> it is yeah and i'm kind of i'm very i think good on aronofsky for actually like you know showing it the way that you know it should be show to to really show the character letting go and maybe it's not even really about sex Mm -hmm. in this scene entirely i mean it's just about there's a lot more going on there there's a lot more going on Uh, i think there's also a sense that you know sex is part of maturity but it does not necessarily equal maturity you know Mm, there's there's more that she has to go through than just sex to achieve this place you know to achieve this Mm -hmm. this nuanced complex wild thing called being a grown-up you know right it's it's not just having an orgasm there's more to it than that but but there's an element of that it's part of it yeah Yeah, um yeah for sure it's it's similar to um pleasantville in that respect because yes, yeah, some people you know they start mm-hmm. turning sure. color. They start turning color when they when they have sex. Have sex, but right. <laughs> but that's not true for everyone. You know, mm-hmm. someone other people turn color because they you know decide to read a book. <laughs> you know, or because they decide uh-huh. to to venture into these places they have not been before. And I think that so it's there's a lot of different elements to because I mean she's it's and it, nor is it just being a a certain age because doesn't she say she's 28 or something like that later in the movie Mm -hmm. it's like so it's not just being a certain number of age either Mm -hmm. far from it so there's all these sort of indications that there's so many things that go into coming of age and i think that is um an interesting element of the film i mean because you can do things but not really know what you're doing or not really get the kind of pleasure that you should from it you know Mm -hmm. if you're not fully comfortable yet like that's what she's doing the whole movie i mean the the scene is about pleasure but not yeah not just sexual pleasure it's about her because in the scene 
before like she's just standing up to her mom like something that she's been you can tell Uh has just been underneath her the whole time like she's finally Uh like coming into her own becoming her own person that's what this is about it's like finally Uh like tapping into that person inside of her that she needs to come out as that's another part of growing up is you know it's not just the yeah not just the sexual maturity but just maturity of dealing with things on your own yeah (laughs) not always you know having your mom around and i think another part of maturity maybe is screwing up because what happens the next morning she's She's late late. and there's lily you know dancing her role and nina is wearing a black top yep and um this is where we you know we find out it's like but you slept over he says well no unless your name is tom and you have a dick (laughs) right oh did you have a lesbo (laughs) fantasy about me she said something like that. I love you. Oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. It says, was I good? <laughs> yes, I did. Mila. Yeah. I know. I love, I love her reaction. That's so Mila Kunis. Though. It's, <laughs> it's very funny. It's, it's really, and it, it so fits that character. Uh, absolutely. But again, like uh, Nina seeing her there rehearsing her part. I mean, it was just because they had to rehearse. They yep. needed to rehearse the ballet and Nina wasn't there. So someone had to step in and do it. And Nina um, is that, that jealousy is, yeah. um, mm-hmm. is really starting here even though like lily is very much like hey it's your part i just need to step in this is your part take it Mm -hmm. yeah but that seeds of fan of uh seeds of jealousy are planted there and they -hmm. just kind of grow so easily you know and then from here on pretty much i mean it's just everything is just building up even more in her all of those different things are becoming more her more pronounced like her hallucinations and her visions are becoming more more uh i don't know <laughs> exactly it is more reg the happening more regularly yeah yeah more regularly she's also d- doing more uh grown-up things at the same time like when she's wakes up late and she's mad at her mom for not waking her up what's the first thing she says is like i'm moving out yep and leaves and then there's a little scene of her throwing away her stuffed animals yep. she smashes the music box yeah and she's again starting to wear black more um, as she's she's getting more into a role as it getting as it's getting closer to this um, performance yeah. of, of uh, Swan Lake that they're doing, and she's just kind of ima- I think she's imagining things um, in yeah in other characters that aren't really there. Like there's a scene where she um, she sees Tomat and Lily like exchanging a glance, mm-hmm. you know, with each other like while Nina is rehearsing. So she's definitely seeing seeing that as some kind of jealousy and you know she has a vision later on i think i don't know i doubt i don't know if this is real or not when she's um kind of staying late uh practicing uh first that really cool um like hallucination that she has in the mirror mm-hmm. the big mirror in the rehearsal yeah. studio yeah. Mm-hmm. when like she moves but um you know her mirror person doesn't yep. move and I, lo- I love how they do that but she has that um, uh, hallucination. It's like a whole long sequence hallucination she has when she sees um, Rothbart, uh, the the villain, or I guess the person that cast the spell right. mm-hmm. on the swan in mm-hmm. Swan Lake. She sees that person like you know running through the studio and then she sees toma and lily having sex but i don't know that that's real or not i haven't really i don't um, think so i don't i don't think so yeah. i think it's just her yeah her her jealousy of the the two of them uh, her her visions because 
you know, then Lily, when she sees the two of them together and then Lily, you know, changes into herself to, into Nina and then Tomas changes into Rothbard. Yeah. And I, like I said, this is just her, uh, everything is getting, um, leading to her major breaking point. Yeah. You know, and there, there's a, there's another, uh, this is a, another small moment that sort of, it's one of those real world moments again, where Nina's being measured for her costume and the customer comments, you've lost weight and she smiles mm-hmm. and it's like, she is got she's nothing yeah she has yeah. she has i mean her body fat percentage is dangerously low <laughs> you know and and, and so yeah. to for her to say that and and to be happy about it it's kind of like you know it's it's sort of it's a little bit disturbing but i mean it and is. that's not even one of the fantasy world hallucination kinds of horrors that's sort of the real world kind of horror thing well even when she's measuring like across her back or Mm -hmm. something she's like oh that's very good like it just like there's a some certain model of perfection that like all of these girls are are striving for you know they can't everybody's body is different but they all they all have to be the same yeah you know in this in this world and anyway and honestly you know watching okay so i've i've seen one ballet in my life i saw the nutcracker uh but then i mm-hmm. i was in the chorus for a ballet performance of carmina barana so it was backstage you'd see the dancers and all that and i gotta say the way these bodies move uh and it's shown this is shown in the movie as well you know you can see the way that her muscles move in her back and legs mm-hmm. and everything it's really really hypnotic um and it's it it's it's just like it and and the way especially in her back the way her muscles move when she's like moving her arms up and down there's a like wings are about to spring out of her mm-hmm. back i mean it's it's very um and they literally do later in the movie right but it's yeah just fascinating to watch and i think aronofsky captures that really well sort of that element of ballet and it's interesting and it's seductive in its own way okay and then the whole thing with beth yeah uh Mm -hmm. comes up here too so yeah like you said um beth had um after she realized that she was out and nina was in pretty much she walked in front of traffic and broke her legs and nina had gone to see her uh before in the hospital oh such a yeah. another gross like body horror moment when she like lifts up the sheet and sees the and big sees, incision like the wound yeah, yeah mm-hmm. on best leg and obviously horrified and then like she goes back to her see her again in the hospital and um yeah she brings back all the stuff that she stole from her dressing yeah. room uh the lipstick and nail file and the earrings that she's been wearing that her mom uh comments on yeah. earlier and she's asking about the earrings you know she says nina says that they're fake and it's like a a, a gift from tama like like right. it's like her mom is seeing tama's arrival too mm-hmm. anyway that's yeah. another that's another place where you can see like maybe something an else ar- going ar- on ri- with her and her mom a rival abuser yeah yeah honestly <laughs> yeah. that's i mean i don't know if that's for real but i mean i've, I've seen the, I, people you know have that i can kind of interpretation I and can i get i get that a lot when i watch it yeah her mom just being so obsessed with her it's a little a little much yep. uh but i love yeah i love this uh scene with uh, beth in the hospital again another one where you don't really know exactly what happened uh what's going on when um 
and Nina goes to her because she's freaking out. She thinks Lily is going to steal is uh-huh. out to get her to, to steal her role. And um, Beth is just like, you stole my things and everything. And she seemingly grabs the, the nail file and stabs you know, herself stabbing in herself face. in the cheek. Yeah. Which again, Which, I, um, I, I also, <laughs> I think that's, you know, this movie reminds me a lot. One of the, there are several movies and I can list them later, but one of the movies that it makes me think of is, is Repulsion. The, Ro- oh, yeah, the, absolutely. the Roman Polanski movie, because uh, just this inner uh, loss of sanity that's expressed outwardly. There's a lot of that going on in this. And but you don't this really is know one where, of those examples. Sure, exactly. Yeah. You never know exactly where, uh, which is part of what, makes it good right you know i mean if you just if there was a easy delineation it just wouldn't be as interesting uh-huh. so i mean as we've talked about with nightmare and new nightmare as well sure because i mean we see beth stab herself in the cheek but then her again with the what nina is seeing she sees herself yep. doing that mm-hmm. nina you know in the chair stabbing herself in the cheek and then she goes into the elevator and she's got the bloody nail file in her hand. But then I could also see that as maybe she grabbed it out of Beth's hand because you can see how Beth might actually do something like that, how where she could be in this depressed state because, you know, this is a ballerina with two badly broken legs mm-hmm. who maybe probably before this knew that she wasn't going to be dancing anymore, but there was still a chance that she could go somewhere else and not, you know be with Tama but now you know with the accident that she's had her life is is over I mean she was already unraveling like this possibly could have made her suicidal so you know she saw the nail file that Nina brought in and she took it as an opportunity or Nina stabbed her I don't know for sure but right, you can right. see it that's what both I ways, would, you know there, I think there is a possibility that Nina stabbed her in the face <laughs> because she's cracked by this point you know right I was, but it's also like Beth is an example of what can ha- what the future is like, you know, what the negative future is like for mm-hmm. some ballerinas, you know. Yeah, it can only last so long. That there's a there's a time limit on their career. Um, so then, like, um, I love I love this scene too. Like, this is probably the biggest <laughs> example of her. Um, the most pronounced her hallucinations get is when she comes home. Uh, well, first she, um, I love the scene where she goes into the kitchen and she, you can hear um, some something whispers, you know, sweet girl again. Yeah. You know the thing that her mom says to her that follows her, and then she um, turn the turns the lights on, and I'm pretty sure she sees a vision of Beth. The bloody Beth in their yeah. hospital gown. Mm-hmm. You know, she goes into her mom's room and all the paintings are screaming at her. They're, yeah. They've come alive. Mm-hmm. I love that moment. That's so cool. And then when she uh, goes um, into her room, her her mom is like uh, outside the door screaming at her and she's telling her to leave her alone. And she pulls the feather out of her back and her right. eyes are all red and <laughs> all that cool stuff. She breaks her mom's hand in the door. And then the thing, uh, I love the thing with uh, her legs. Yeah. (laughs) I always thought that was such a cool little moment. Where they bend backward, yeah. Like a bird, yeah. And and it's subtle, but you can see that her feet are made larger in the shot. And uh, Mm -hmm. so there's sort of an angle to it that 
that is very duck like in far as far as the way the uh-huh. the legs the and feet look and it's just it's they're pretty subtle enhancements i mean obviously the legs turning backwards is not subtle but but like the right. <laughs> but the the sort of alteration to the size of the feet and stuff is pretty subtle the thing on her back is gets bigger and bigger like it's yeah. just a little scratch at the yeah. beginning of the movie and yeah. here it's like it's more goose flesh it's more like like yeah. the, like the wings are going to sprout out yeah. of them yeah it's really cool. And like the thing that the, her eyes is really cool. She just looks, I mean, this, she's completely cracked at this point. Yeah. Like this is completely gone. And then um, another kind of great moment for her, but also not really is, you know, the next morning, like uh, her, when her mom is, has called and said that she's not going to be there and mm-hmm. she's uh, mm-hmm. put like oven mitts or something on her hands. Cause I, again, like this is her, all of her control for her, for her could have been just about, protecting her because Mm -hmm. she knew that she was heading this way you know with what she has seen her do to herself in the past which we don't really hear about but all all we know is that she used to scratch herself you know it could have been a lot more serious than that yeah yeah yeah. well she says this role is destroying you you know where's my sweet girl Mm -hmm. uh and that's you know i think a parental reaction to your children growing up you know my child is now a teenager where's that kid that <laughs> that was so sweet and is now you know screaming at me and slamming their door at me and you know right. I, I, there there's there's sort of a i think a more there's a less sort of sensational way of sort of thinking about that relationship too, where it's just like the, the, the sense of a, of a mother dealing with a teenage daughter, <laughs> you know, you could look, mm-hmm. you can read it that way. But I mean, obviously this is when it's big, the way this is, it, it hammers the point home <laughs> very strongly. Well, there's a, a part earlier, I think. Oh yeah. When um she has the scene with when she's, kicking her out of her room like to be with lily um you hear her mom say like you're not my nina right now but you can read it as that as two different ways like she can see her kind of like cracking uh, a little bit like she's wanting to protect her but it's also like oh you're you're changing and you're growing up and you're not my Mm -hmm. my girl anymore Yeah. yeah like you're starting to become come into your own and I, i'm not ready for that right yet yeah which I see that. you know i mean a lot of parents aren't and i, I as someone who's going through it right now i i'm sure I'm, I'm not that ready for it to be honest um so <laughs> it's it's been a tough couple months let's, <laughs> let's put it that way oh. all right so i know but anyway yeah that's absolutely yeah Yeah. i'm not saying that like the the really really dark way to to read that relationship is the right way there's several different ways that's that's definitely one of them yeah i think it's definitely about a parent like watching their child grow up and come out from under her wing yeah so to speak yeah Yeah. well and it's interesting because when you look at the credits to this uh they list an alternate you know like natalie portman is nina sayers slash the swan queen Mila Kunis is Lily mm-hmm. sl- slash the Black Swan. Vincent Cassell is to- Thomas Leroy slash the Gentleman. Barbara. <laughs> I never. Yeah. I don't know how I didn't notice that. <laughs> uh, Barbara Hershey is Erica's. By the way. Erica Sayers slash the Queen. And Winona Ryder. Oh, okay. I, this is the last one I want to say. Winona Ryder, Beth McIntyre slash the Dying Swan. Oh, okay. <laughs> I never paid attention to that before. <laughs> that's cool it, it just you know that's just listed there in in the letterboxed 
uh, titles, but yeah, it didn't. Yeah, we only mentioned Natalie Portman really and Mila Kunis, but yeah, Barbara Hershey is. I love her. Yeah, she's so good, and she's role. so like, well cast for this because I mean her her early roles were kind of playing the Black Swan, you know, kind of character. I mean, think of her in Boxcar Bertha, or think of her in The Last Temptation mm-hmm. of Christ. You know, these these. I mean, Last Temptation of Christ. She plays a sex worker. Uh, I mean, she plays. Uh, I haven't seen that one yet. <laughs> She's sort of like the sexually free being in in her movies so often. And so for her to play this role is kind of an interesting turn on that, you know. It's it's a fascinating casting. Plus, she's just dynamite in it. She's so good. She's from her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's great. And uh, Vincent Cassell is great, too. He really is. He's he's got that, like, smug asshole thing down. Like, I don't know if that's a compliment to you or not. It really is, though. Yeah. He's he's really good at doing that. He's very good in this. I mean, I mean, everyone is. Oh, there was another thing, too, that just to go along with, um, since we're getting into more of the body horror, or the, the ultimate uh, representation of the body horror um, is coming in this movie. There's another thing about, like, subtle thing throughout the about ballerinas. There are several shots throughout the movie of Nina vomiting. Yep. Or trying to. Yep. You know? Yeah. So eating disorders. That's just another, like, super gross thing. Yeah. yeah that mm-hmm. uh, probably a lot, or maybe most, I don't know, I don't want to say, that at least have probably dealt with at, at some point in their career, probably, yeah. uh, ballerinas. Yeah. So then, um, yeah, again, like, I think this is a good moment for her, but it's also, you, you know, that she's heading in a not good direction, like that next morning when she's, it's time for her performance and her mom is trying to stop her from going. And she, again, stands up for her. And um, when her mom says, you know, you can't handle this, for one, she's right. Yeah. <laughs> She clearly can't handle this, but the way that Nina like uh, immediately comes back at her and saying like I can't like I love that line delivery for her that that's that's someone like finally standing up for themselves. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. even though even though she's kind of right, she can't really handle this yeah. this much pressure. But she's also again that's a movie about her her growing up and yeah making mistakes like maybe this is a mistake like not listening to her parents like and taking care of herself instead of trying to do this thing that she's clearly not ready for. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and so when she gets to the theater, um, she sees, they show Lily sort of throw it a fit <laughs> that, um, that's like, no, she can't do it. You know, I, it's, it's my, you know, that kind of thing. Do you think that's true? Well, she just says, yeah, what's she doing here? Like she, you were supposed to be sick. Yeah. She's supposed to be sick. Yeah. Maybe the way that it's presented in Nina's mind is more exaggerated, more, more indignant about it than mm-hmm. instead of maybe Lily is actually showing concern. Like mm-hmm. you're supposed to be sick. Are you, are you, is it okay right. for you to be here and mm-hmm. do this? You know, yeah. I think that again, is another thing that you can see two different ways. Mm-hmm. We have a very unreliable narrator here, we do. so mm-hmm. this whole this whole movie can be seen um, several different ways. Yeah. Um, she gives Toma a little more of that bite, yeah. you know, and she gives him some attitude, you know, and she says she's gonna do the role, and you know, do you really want another controversy after Beth? Right. I'm here, and I'm gonna do it, and he tells her that you know the only thing you know, standing in the way, is, you know, is herself or something. Again, not really what she needs to hear because she. This is, she's not in a good state right now. <laughs> no, no. You, you kind of wonder if a more responsible director would just say, you're not going on stage in this right. state. Um, you're clearly, there's something going on 
and it's going to affect mm. everything. But at the same time, he's like, I have my black swan. She's here. Yeah, that's what he's thinking. Yep. Um, now, the first act um, doesn't go I like well. the thing with her web toes, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, so she, that's she like really, gross, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's again, that body horror, it's clearly a hallucination, but this whole thing where, where she gets dropped, uh, in, during the first act and then she blames her partner. It's very childish. It wasn't my fault. Oh, yeah. He dropped me. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I, I think that it's sort of perfect for that. Cause you know, it's like, you know, it's not me. It's not me. It's him. It's them. It's them. You know? And it's very uh-huh. much in line with the idea of the white swan or the, chi- the you know, the childish, immature uh, <laughs> Absolutely. element that is still there, still present in her. Natalie Portman's face, though, and the way she can express mm-hmm. the, when she's crying like that, though, God, it just kind of kills you. Like um, when she's facing away from the she waits till she's facing away from the audience and like heading out to like really let go and yep. start crying after that, yep. you know, it's just... Her face, like, really, she's so, yeah, maybe very much like a, a child who just, like, cries uh, the, the littlest thing, yeah. you know, and it makes it so dramatic about it. And everyone else is just kind of mad, like, she's crying about it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of like, oh, come on. <laughs> uh-huh. But but then Lily comes down while she's preparing for the black swan. That's right. Or she's already right. in there. Yeah, she sees her in the her dressing room. Maybe I should dance the black swan for you. And it's again that jealousy that is, you know, a seed that has grown in her mind. It's not the way that Lily necessarily really feels, but we as far as we know, this could be the real Lily or yeah, in, in that's in her dressing mm-hmm. room confronting her on this. But then it becomes very unreal, you know, because there's the, her, the faces switch in and out right. and strangling her neck and it turns into, it turns yeah. into a swan's neck. It's, it's, it's weird. I mean, the first time I saw this, I was like, well, this is not what I expected <laughs> in a uh, best picture nominee, you know, I'll be honest. I was like, I, 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 so I was watching it with the wrong mind. Cause it was so weird. Yeah. It was so much weirder than, than I expected for a ballet best picture nominee. I mean, it's just what's going on in her mind. Like yeah. her, it's picturing herself, mm-hmm. the person that she's, uh, she's trying to be or, or Lily in the, right. in the same body and she's fighting she's really fighting with herself she's fighting her innocence mm-hmm. in a way in the way that she says you know it's my turn it's my i turn. mean that's that's huge yeah that's her uh, taking control and she literally stabs her with a piece of mirror right. which you know again this whole this whole movie has been about mm-hmm. you know reflections and mirrors and duality like we yeah. said and yeah. i think that i, I wouldn't moment... say the symbology of this movie is exactly subtle no it's really not <laughs> is it <laughs> yeah, it's... it's pretty obvious yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i do kind of like this little moment like she i don't know if that's after she drags her body away but when she's her her eyes are all red again uh-huh. and her kind of you think it's like panicked breathing at first you know and after she's done this horrible thing it kind of turns into like desire in a way yeah. kind of like mm-hmm. like satisfaction uh-huh. that she she has on her face which really comes in like because right after this is when she does the black swans dance and her style of dancing her facial expressions are all like totally different like she is mm-hmm. the black swan 
uh, yeah. now. And so, yeah, and her, the the feathers sprout from her arms. And well, that first time when like everybody is like so Im- impressed with her, and she comes off stage, and she's just kind of like the way she's like kind of swaying and like really just kind of like feeling it and feeling the character feeling her transformation happening and the 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 goose flesh pops up again like there's a little bit of makeup on her hands a little bit of black makeup and the way that it kind of it travels up her uh I love all of that shit. It's like, again, it's like, it's so obvious. Like, the, like you said, the, sim- the symbolism and symbology is so, so obvious, but I still love it. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I, mean, I mean, you know what? There, there are a lot of great movies that have sort of shallow symbols that are kind of easy to latch onto. I mean, we're talking about Citizen right. Kane and Citizen Kane is a movie that's filled with that sort of thing, you know, where it's like, you, you, you get it, you know, it makes sense, you know? So, I mean, there's, right. I'm, I'm not knocking the fact that, you know, it's not subtle. It's, it's just, it's not, <laughs> it's just a fact. Right. Um, and I love the, the sound effect of the, the wings flapping yeah. you mm-hmm. can hear too mm-hmm. throughout. Mm-hmm. And then when she goes to do uh, the final thing that, that I was talking about earlier, when the, the huge dance moment of Swan Lake is the, whoever does this um, coda thing where they have to do 32 uh, yeah. turns in a row. When she finally performs that, like she does it perfectly, of course. And of, uh, I love, yeah, the whole digital transformation that they do and this is i don't know if it looks perfect but it's it's so cool the way that her arms turn into wings and the the shadow when she does her final pose after she's completed it and done it perfectly like what she's been you know after this whole movie is this perfection she's finally become herself too Mm -hmm. i do like that there she's still you can see the wings are still on her but the shadow on the wall is is without it right Mm -hmm. it's still it's still just her love that whole sequence i love it i I always play that like a a couple of different times (laughs) whenever i watch this movie because i just i think it's so perfect i love it but what i do like about you know the third okay well i mean i don't want to skip too far ahead because you know lily comes down to congratulate her and she's like what the hell (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I killed you. <laughs> I killed you. Then, then she sees that the there's not blood leaking out from under her bathroom door, and that in fact the wound is in her own stomach. And she pulls another piece of the shard of the mirror out of out of her own stomach. Mm-hmm. I see in the final act of Swan Lake, she loses herself in the White Swan too. She completely commits mm-hmm. to this element i mean she screws up the first act so there's almost a sense that the true self her true self i should say is not entirely Mm -hmm. the black swan not entirely the white swan something Mm -hmm. that all of us have are shades of gray right and i i i I don't know I, i i see that as maybe an element of this again the complexity of maturity that it's more than just Mm -hmm. black and white there is a lot in between there and 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 she just dances this so beautifully in this ending and it was such emotion because she knows that she's going to die gonna die yeah right or it's it's or, that or she she could die she needed yeah or is that you know she's found uh finally discovered those elements within her that are the black swan but mm-hmm deep down she really is just the white swan you know and that's okay too maybe yeah. right who she wants to be, not who... Is ultimately not... Yeah. Is right for her, maybe. Because you have Toma forcing the black swan on her. You have her mother mm-hmm. forcing the white swan on her. But it's ultimately, it's all her. 
and it's all needs to be there to make a complete person. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I, no, that's that's yeah, that's how I see it too. Okay. Um, and and just you know when she leaps from the back and she's on the mattress and she's lying there. There's a shot of her mom in the audience yeah. mm-hmm. watching her before she leaves, and I, I love that too because I don't know. There's just so much in that one little look. I mean, she's obviously she's come there to support her, but she's probably terrified for her. Or maybe she sees the wounds that no one else can see. I don't know. She's that's a very that's a good moment between the two of them. It just it's yeah. just her shot of her watching because she looks like she's crying, like watching her in the audience. And then when Tama yeah. comes up to her and calls her his little princess, the princess, yeah. You know, that's when she finally earns that really gross nickname. You know, yeah. <laughs> not, not that it's. That's something that she, anybody should want. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just like, you no, know, I, I, mean? I get it. I get the- it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, I think it's a tension because she wants to be the little princess, but she also does not. She knows yeah. what that entails. I think there's a part of her yes. though that does want it though, um, which mm-hmm. is, you know, disturbing. <laughs> but this is kind of a disturbing <laughs> movie in some ways too. Uh, then her last line, of course, you know, I was perfect. I felt it perfect yeah i wrote you know but but what was the cost of that Mm -hmm. you know and was it was it worth it you know and 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 for some people the answer might be yes maybe for her the answer is yes it it it, it was worth it i can see how some of it might be worth it Oh, certainly seeing it as i mean there's a lot of people there that she probably could got some help hopefully it's just a flesh wound and then she'll yeah, live yeah you know? and that's, that's that was actually another question i had for that ending was okay does does the ending mean that she dies or does it mean that the white swan has died and she is going to survive because you know you don't see her die as we know mm-hmm. from reservoir dogs you know it takes a long time to die from a stomach wound um, <laughs> we all know that, uh, but and it just kind of shows the blinding lights, and it, it it's the end mm-hmm. and the cheering. You know, the yeah. cheering. So uh, I think it's I implied that she dies. I, I I think she. I think it's implied that she dies. I mean, it's, but it's sort of like the red shoes. You don't actually know for sure if she dies. I think it's pretty heavily implied. Yeah, that in she both dies. movies, uh-huh. and that she dies after. Yeah, she's achieved this perfection after she's fully formed right. in a way or that she's at least touched the other side and uh, i don't know <laughs> that's what i don't like about this this movie I, the ending i love all of it and then i get to the end and it's like i don't really know what i want for for nina this uh I want I want her to to be free. I want her to I I do kind of like that i think to that die she's, at the moment of perfection. Well no, just maybe that she's yeah her getting um getting to experience what the 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 black swan the life of the black swan would be like and then maybe kind of realizing that her true self is maybe more the white swan again um that's not a that's not a bad thing and that she's like okay i i felt I, i always took it as i felt it as being perfect as like the perfect me is just kind yeah. of the, mm-hmm. the way the way I'm watching this movie now in my life. Like that's how I I can I read it. Yeah. So I see it as 
after this, like, hopefully she <laughs> she lives and she moves out of her mom's place, you know, and goes to a different company and doesn't work for Tama anymore. And like, that's um, it's like, I don't need any of you anymore. Like, you've influenced me enough. I've finally gotten to a place in my head where I, I'm good on my own. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Ugh. I honestly didn't, I don't think about the, in- the ending kind of gets to me a little bit too much to really come up with a definitive this is what I think about it because you know, I, don't it's know. More I feel really bad for Nina. <laughs> I think it's more about what you feel about it, you know, yeah, than what you think about it. I I just kind of yeah. feel it as you know the perfect me. That's it. That's yeah, my interpretation I, I like of that. it. Uh, that that is that's great. Whether maybe whether she lives or dies doesn't really matter. That, she's right. found herself. Who she is. Yeah. Now I wrote down just a bunch of movies that this movie made me think of. Okay. Yeah, and I'm this. not saying it's ripping them off. That's not what I mean. But I think that there's, because some of these came after early, obviously the red shoes, <laughs> obviously Showgirls. It made me think of those. I've mentioned those already, <laughs> but also eyes wide shut. There, there was, there was, really? there's elements of eyes wide shut that I felt in this. Um, just like whether the or not what we're seeing world. is real or yeah. not. Because she has, she seems to have this sense that everybody wants to fuck her too. You know, <laughs> Mila yeah. Kunis and the guy on the subway and all these people. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that guy. Yeah, yeah. that's really <laughs> gross. But yeah, um, uh. that just totally made me kind of eyes wide shut. That is like, huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and think about that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ginger Snaps for a good werewolf movie. Um, sure. That deals with puberty and coming of age. Um, Enemy. The uh, movie with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, where it's a doppelganger movie. Uh, I didn't see that one. Yeah, it, it's there's a big spider in it for some reason. Oh, so you love it? No, that freaked <laughs> me out. But actually, it was an interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a Denis Villeneuve movie. You know, before he's oh, okay. yeah, bef- like be- before he started making you know just big blockbusters all the time. Uh, he made some really <laughs> interesting smaller movies, and Enemy is one of them. Uh, it's a very strange and enigmatic kind of movie, too. Then I've, I already mentioned Repulsion, but also The Fly, Cronenberg's The Fly. Especially like sure. when, when she pulls the the feather out of the scratch on her back, totally made me think of the mm-hmm. hairs sticking out of of yes. his back in, in, uh, in The Fly. So there's a lot of these things her nail mixed together yeah absolutely all of these kinds of things mixed together you could even think of like crash you know when she sees the the wound on beth's leg and the brace on it and stuff mm-hmm. yeah so there's there's a lot of things and ideas swirling around in this movie but they all fit really well in a you know it's a long movie but it's not like super long it's under two hours right it's an hour 40 hour 40 yeah so i mean to me that's one of the things i noticed is how fast the movie moved it really mm-hmm. does um, pack a lot in and it's it's weird and it doesn't mm-hmm. really make sense but and i think maybe that's why people i don't know if people don't really like it because they don't though. fully understand it there's a but there's a lot of different ways that you can interpret it and yep. there's you know your own personal experiences like i've obviously found something in it that i relate to that makes me see it in a different way than maybe the next person would uh, i like that it's a movie like that that yeah. you can in like like we said it's a it's an unreliable narrator you're not really sure what you're seeing or what's real or what's not and you can take it several different ways and we love movies like that that don't yeah. give you a straight answer we do. you know yeah. <laughs> it's a way more fun discussion that way yeah 
Absolutely. I absolutely adore this movie, and I was I was super excited to talk about that one finally. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was very nervous I to talk know. about Black Swan, but yeah. uh hope I did good. Definitely. Absolutely. Okay, so we got uh, recommendations for you. Mine actually goes with... Um, I don't. Oh, you don't? Okay. <laughs> I don't have anything. Uh, I do have a recommendation I'd like to give, though. I, I watched a different kind of ballet movie than either of these. Uh, it's a Robert Altman film called The Company from uh, 2003. And it stars uh, Nev Campbell as uh, sort of this uh, chorus level dancer who's sort of on the verge of becoming a principal player in this dance company in Chicago. It seems like a really personal piece to her because she uh, is credited as an executive producer. She's actually listed as producer above Robert Altman. Um, hmm. She has a story by credit. And I know that she was a dancer. So, I mean, it, it kind of comes from her own experience. But it also has Malcolm McDowell as the as the head of the company, uh, James Franco as sort of her love interest. and um, But it's what's different about it from these other movies is it's very much just about the camaraderie of this company. Um, it feels very grounded. It feels like this is probably, there's no heightened reality. It's a Robert Altman movie. So it feels very grounded in like the real world. Like this is, this is the struggles and joys and the kinds of things that these people interacting with go through. Now, like most Altman movies, a lot of Altman movies, I should say, it's a very much an ensemble piece. Uh, so there are a lot of actors who I'm not familiar with. I think most of them are actually members of the Chicago company that did the dancing in this film. So that's why I don't recognize their names. The dancing is incredible. Um, the story is nice. I mean, it's not as great as either of these movies, but I really had a good time with it. I really enjoyed it. And I think it dealt with some of the same things, you know, like how hard it can be on the body. And there's a scene where one yeah. of the dancers actually snaps her Achilles tendon in the middle of rehearsing and you oh, can, God. and you can hear it <laughs> happen, but no, it's an interesting movie. I mean, your director, Malcolm McDowell is kind of an asshole, but he also obviously cares deeply about his dancers. It's it's really good. I, I was pleased with, with it, and I thought it was a, a really nice movie. And it's nice to see Nev Campbell do something like this mm -hmm. that, that isn't Scream or, you know, Party of Five sure. or whatever. I haven't um, heard of this. Yeah, and it, I found it to be a, a, a really sort of nice other kind of look at this cool. backstage dance company world. Sure. Okay. Well, I just thought of one. Okay. It's kind of more similar to Black Swan in the uh, the weirdness and the body horror in a way. I think I'm going to give some love to the Suspiria remake okay. from 2018. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved this one. It's so it's super long, but like the the structure of it mm -hmm. really kind of had me from the beginning. I haven't watched it actually in a long time, and now I really I want to experience it again. I remember that's what it was like the first time I watched it was an experience. Yeah. Cuz it's it's so different. It's different enough from the original obviously that you can you can separate it and you can see it as its own thing. And I think it's doing something really cool on its own, separate from the original that makes it 
a really it's really good i i really enjoyed this one um i know it had uh it's it has its detractors and its lovers i'm one of its lovers so if you give it another chance i think if you either haven't seen it or maybe you didn't like it as much the first time i think there's there's some cool shit in there there's this one scene uh, in particular one of the when one of the ballerina or the it's not ballerinas it, they're just dancers modern dancers uh one of the body horror things that happens to one of them when she's dancing by herself and strange thing happens yeah it's yeah it's pretty it can get pretty intense <laughs> in, in moments and so it, i think it really goes along with uh black swan well in that way yeah I, i've only seen this one once and i feel like it's one that i should give another try to um i really liked the things that i think of the most on it are frankly the dance sequences Mm -hmm. uh which is something that the original suspiria doesn't do that much of even though it takes place at a ballet school there's not not a a whole lot of dancing yeah yeah whereas this does a lot of focus on and some of the dance is really interesting it's strange because like i don't like the ballet i've been and it's (laughs) boring to me i'm not into it but for some reason dance on film i like a lot uh, mm-hmm. so, and this was an example because there's one where they had these costumes or like these red sort of like threads hanging yeah. from them. And I just like, I remember that very well, even if I don't remember a lot of other things that sticks in my mind because I think there's some mm-hmm. really interesting imagery and some really cool stuff oh, going absolutely. on in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I almost want to say that like the, the final sequence and I kind of, in this one, I almost like better than what the, it, original. the original does. It's just, it's so cool. Uh, what's the whole, the witch stuff that, that goes on in this yeah. one is a mm-hmm. little bit more, a little bit more, more in, in this one than it is in the original. It's more witchy. It's way more witchy. Yeah. yeah. Which I really enjoyed. I revisit the original every few years. It seems like, and I think it's a five star masterpiece of a movie but i do not get what's going on at all in that movie i i I find myself just there's a line from one of our next movies i i make sense of it i just don't understand it uh that's a that's a spinal tap line for for a little uh foreshadowing but yeah i think this one's probably a little bit more easier to to get it's a little more it's easier it, to, it is it's more narrative more, more palatable uh, yeah than the original yeah it's a more traditional narrative but it's still really adventurous and interesting mm-hmm. so speaking of next time we have a musician double this is a brian yeah you're calling this a very this brian, is a brian episode <laughs> yeah very brian episode and i i promised i wouldn't do too many music things but i, I don't know these movies i was like i really Okay, anyway, so we're going to talk about <laughs> two of my favorites, of actually, to be honest with you. Um, but, yeah. you know, I'm I'm glad that you like them, too. I do. I, I, didn't, I, I definitely didn't, do. I didn't choose uh, both of them. It was just sort of like a double that we thought would be fun to go together. I think I like the newer one more than the older one, though. <laughs> That's because you haven't watched it with a group of people. I've only seen it once. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, I gotta <laughs> I'll, have tell to, you. I'll have to have it live in me a little bit yeah. more. <laughs> so I got to tell you. Okay. So the first time I saw my pick, I didn't get it. I didn't think it was that funny. I was like, what is everyone mm-hmm. so crazy about? Then I watched it with a group of people and it totally changed my perception of it. And so what I picked uh, from... 1984, one of my very favorite comedies of all time, Rob Reiner's This Is Spinal Tap. That's right. We're going to tap into America, and I am going to be quoting lines from this movie constantly. <laughs> I'll be prepared I'll try for that. Not, I'll, I'll try not to do uh, 
too. My, I hope my British accents won't be too offensive. I'm gonna say, are you gonna do that? I, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to help it. So, and then we're gonna go kind of a complete opposite vibe for the other one uh, from 2014. We're gonna talk about Whiplash, Full Metal Jacket, the musical. <laughs> <laughs> the most stressful movie that I have watched recently. I don't yeah. think I found one that has topped it. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of like ratchets up the anxiety a lot. So I'm excited to watch that one again. Yay. <laughs> yeah. I, it's again, I mean, this was one of those movies. The first time I saw it, I was like, okay, there's certain things I can relate to, though I've never huh. had a music teacher throw a chair at my head. Uh, so <laughs> I hope not. But yeah, I uh, both of these movies, I, I adore them both. I'm excited to talk about them. And, and it's fun to fun. put two totally different movies together. It's a very different Comedy vibes. and this yeah. drama. Yeah. yeah. That'll be fun to talk about. Okay. So real quick uh, on the socials, you can find me at Brian D. Kuiper on Twitter. You can find me at Michelle N. Agan. And you can find the show at Movie Life Pod. Also, be sure if you can give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can leave ratings and reviews, please do so. Okay, so, Michelle, <laughs> what are we going to do next time? We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.